What's happening, weirdos? This is the incredible Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday returns to You Made It Weird. I think this is his third, maybe his fourth time. I think I think it's his third. He has a new best-selling book out right now, which is called Discipline is Destiny. It is incredible. It is a bestseller. You need to check it out. Also, just all of his work. The Obstacle is the Way. Ego is the Enemy. I mean, he's got incredible stuff. Courage is Calling is another new one. His books are life changers. You got to get into it. He's incredible and he's one of a kind. And I'm so glad that he is back on the podcast. A couple things to plug. Thanks, first of all, to every everybody that came out, all the weirdos that came out to Largo last night, which was awesome. I'm recording this on Monday. Thanks to everybody that came out on Sunday. Don't know why I'm splitting hairs. Uh, Adam Sandler was there. Judd Apatow was there. Uh, Mae Martin was there. And Christian Lee Hudson was there. An incredible show. And we do it every month. The next one is on November 3rd. And that's a special one. It's to benefit Homeboy Industries, a cause very near and dear to so many, including myself. So please go to Largo-LA.com if you'd like to come to the one on November 3rd. If you do not live in the LA area or you're not going to be in the LA area, I am on tour. I'm about to be on tour. Very exciting. I'm going to be in Toronto. They tell me Toronto not selling so good. Toronto, come on, Toronto. Please, Toronto. Toronto, can you hear me? Uh, At the Bluma Appel Theater on October 14th, PeteHolmes.com for tickets. That's just a standalone ad for Toronto because Toronto's hurting. Atlantic City, New Jersey, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C. Tickets to all of those are available on PeteHolmes.com. I'm so excited about this hour. I think it's Super Dupes Fun and Super Dupes Fun E. So I hope you can... (laughs) What a stupid plug. Uh, Just go to PeteHolmes.com and come see me on the road, please, and thank you. And this episode is brought to us by our friends. I'm so grateful to be working. These are PYM Chews, Prepare Your Mind, Original Mood Chews. And these, they don't leave my side. I have some in my car. Obviously, I have some in my house, in my office. I have been swearing by them because, frankly, I don't know why this past week I've just been overwhelmed, like a little bit of a flood of stress and anxiety, and that's exactly what PYM Chews are for. First of all, not only do they taste incredible, but they are support, natural support, giving your brain what it needs to cope with overwhelm, anxiety, and stress. They help you manage those feelings, and it's wonderful when you're feeling worried, stressed out, or as we like to say on We Made It Weird, Val and I would say, you have a bee in your belly, just that restless anxiety thing you can't quite land on yourself to mix a metaphor you just chew two of these delicious natural citrus flavored no sugar added chews and literally i can swear to this it's changed my life in minutes you feel more centered calm and in control in fact i have quite a bit to do today including record these intros i was feeling a little overwhelmed and threw in a couple pym chews about 30 minutes ago I didn't even think I'd be doing these intros today, and I don't think it's a coincidence that these babies helped me get into that workflow state and not feeling overwhelmed. Literally, the first time I tried them, I thought they were too good to be true, and I immediately bought some for my mom and my brother, uh, just so happy that anxiety and stress have a natural, non-addictive, non-psychoactive solution. I like taking it at the start of my day or at night to wind down, or sometimes, like I did today, in the middle of my day to help me ease into my work. How do they work? PYM Chews are 
comprised of proven amino acid complexes and adaptogens that help support your brain and your body's ability to organically support your ability to manage and tolerate stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. These are specifically formulated amino acids that target your neurotransmitters, specifically the GABA system, a naturally occurring neurotransmitter that helps the body manage chronic stress, supplying your body with GABA, L-theanine, and rhodiola. PYM is on a mission to help end the stigma surrounding mental health and make a better mood accessible to all. And for real, it's changed my life for the better. And even better, a percentage of of their profits, 1%, goes towards mental health nonprofits, including Bring Change to Mind. It's a gentle, effective, and natural way to give your body the nutrition it needs to fight off stress. And I am happy to say that it works. And I'm so happy that they are here to support the show. So if you like this show and want to support your mood, your feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, and stress, and support this show, go to youcanpym.com slash weird. You will get a discount by going to youcanpym.com slash weird and uh, do your body a favor, do your brain a favor, and show your support for this podcast. Last but not least, we're also brought to you by our friends at Onnit. One of the oldest original Pete's Picks is Alpha Brain. I'm, ha- I'm holding it here because obviously I keep it here on my desk. Alpha Brain is earth-grown ingredients. It is not a stimulant. It is a supplement. Supplement is too, too, it's not quite right. It's like giving your creativity fish food. If your ideas are fish, Alpha Brain is like the fish food you sprinkle on top. Helps with memory, helps with focus, helps me to dial in. Anytime I have to do something that involves my brain, if it's this podcast, if it's these intros that I'm recording right now, stand-up comedy, writing, acting, even just going on a date with Val and I want to have full access to my brain, I will take a few Alpha Brain 20, 30 minutes beforehand. Like I say, it's not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It's not an upper. It just gives your brain the earth-grown nutrition that it needs to function at its best. So if you're doing something for your work or maybe for your for your fun, for your fun, Uh, If it involves your brain, why not optimize your brain? I swear I've been taking these for over, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine years. And I keep them in my car, in the office, in my travel bag. I panic if I don't have them. It doesn't give me that like coffee feeling. It just gives me that feeling that I have what I need to function brain-wise at my highest. So it's an absolute game changer. And you can try it and show your support of this podcast by going to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird. You'll get 10% off everything you see on that landing page. Go to onnit.com slash weird. Get some alpha brain. Support your brain. Support this show and show your support. We really appreciate it. In the meantime, everybody, enjoy the incredible Ryan Holiday. So honored that this guy is my friend. So honored that he came back on the show. And be sure to check out his new book. I want to make sure I get it. All of, you know what? I'm just going to say check out all of his books. For real, for real. They're incredible. We talk a lot about the discipline one. You're going to love it. Get into it. Ryan. How are you? Cl- close those circles, dude, What's on your watch. Oh, close those I circles, dude. I Get that activity, dude. You didn't run today? Not yet. Isn't that a big thing for you? Yeah, I like to do it in the morning when my travel schedule's all messed up. I'm, I ran late. I did something super hard yesterday, though. What was that? Well, so I, uh, a friend and I bought this ghost town in... <laughs> okay, what? In near Death Valley. Uh, it's, it's Wait, is it... In Death Valley or near it's Death? It's above Death Valley. It called down. near Death Valley? No, no. It's called Cerro Gordo. <laughs> it looks near death experience, near Death Valley. It looks down onto to Death Valley and Mount Whitney and stuff. Anyways, I ran from the bottom of the 
the town to the top, which is it it was eight miles, but it did it was um it was an M M&M. and M. <laughs> it was you ran uh, an M and M. You you get at you get in at thirty five hundred feet and then it ends at eighty five hundred feet. So Whoa. we'd been talking about doing it and I decided to do it yesterday and I was not prepared for it mentally or emotionally or physically. So, so it gets harder as you go. Yeah. Well, so it's basically it's a that's <laughs> a non runner. So it's harder. <laughs> so it would be like eating a bucket of chicken and then a pot roast. I understand. Yeah. It it uh it it went you you gain almost a mile of elevation. Wow. So but you're so that means you're running almost straight up one mile. I hate this. And the and the air is getting thinner. So it was it was brutal. Why did you do that? I I thought I decided I was going to do it, and then we were going to film it and stuff, which we ended up doing. And then, uh, but anyways, my body like quit like at seven miles, and then there was a mile left. You did an almost Eminem. I mean, I did the whole thing. I'm just saying, my body like it. Was, oh, at it, seven miles, you just at wanted seven miles, to quit. It was done, and then it was like there's still. And you know this? It, it's actually there's a kind of a philosophical incident. You know, like when you're like, I have this happens if my wife's like, I'll be home at two. Can you watch the kids? Like mentally, I'm good up until like two o one, and then like if I've told myself like that's the end, and then she's like, oh, I need another thirty minutes. That thirty minutes is like super hard. You are so right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, sometimes it goes the other, not the other way, but sometimes if I know Val's coming home at two thirty, yeah, and I'm home alone at two, yeah, most productive thirty minutes of my life. Yes, you're yes. under the gun. That's it's true. Indiana Jones work. The boulders come. Not that Val's a boulder, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. your free time is about to get squashed. I was very much under the impression that it was seven miles. It was seven-ish miles, not eight-ish miles. <laughs> Brutal. So the last mile was like, that's like what rips your heart out. I, yep, I completely understand. So you did do it. How did you feel when you completed it? Uh, and then I you have to tell me about I, buying a ghost. <laughs> I felt I felt very good. I felt very good uh, yeah. that I'd accomplished it. I was very proud. And then I felt very terrible. And I walked into my room and I fell asleep for three hours. So yeah, uh, your body was like yeah, it was like Apple all the menu, alarm bells were going sleep. off. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was not great. But really, uh, like sh- pain, shaking, breathing. Yeah, I think it was the altitude, and I mean, it was just like you know. Do you ever look at one of your days and you're like, that was not a smart or responsible way to plan your day. I just had this. Yeah. I'm, I just had my brain assessed for ADD, and one of the things they noticed that I'm bad with is um, shifting gears. Oh, okay. And it's one of the reasons why if you put me in a difficult thing, but that's the only thing I have to do today, I thrive. But if they're like, you're going to go from this, and you're this kind of Pete, then you're this kind of Pete, I won't do it. And yeah, it's like irresponsible, sense. actually. Like The third thing is going to suck. Yeah. I'm two things max. Yes. Yeah, do you relate to that? Well, so yesterday I... I took a 5.30 a.m. flight from Austin to Las Vegas. I gave a talk in Las Vegas. And I drove from Las Vegas to Death Valley, which took five hours because the roads were closed. And then I got out of the car and then I did that. And I, it, did, like, it wasn't until the end that it really... I was like, that was too much. That was more than a reasonable person <laughs> the should have committed to. The first step of the run, I would yeah. have been like... Let's do this tomorrow. Yeah. But you so did it. I do that a lot. I like, I way overcommit and then only like in it am I like, oh, that's like too much. Well, this, that was one of the chapters of your new book that I thought was great was about rest, was about yeah. the, what is it? The false economy of overworking. Yeah. That's Steinbeck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I love that. And yeah. I'm a huge believer in that. And l- let me load you with this, but okay. then I want you to talk about it. I've noticed the most productive day of the week 
I try and take like a good old fashioned Sabbath, like a Saturday. Oh, yeah, sure. Not a true Sabbath. Yeah. Like I'm not like not walking over whatever it is. Yeah. I just mean I put my phone in a drawer, which is the only way. Yes. We all we both know. Just saying don't look at it doesn't work. Goes in a drawer. But that is the day that I'm jotting things on like an envelope, you know, just like just a million dollar sentence. Not, yeah. It's not about money. I just mean like something yeah. that is like, oh, I cracked it. And I was like, that's, you know, it's counterintuitive. The most productive thing you can do is to stop working. What would you talk a little bit? I loved it. Yeah, I think book. it's like when you're trying really hard, you it's like golf. Uh, when you try really hard at golf, you're worse at golf. Uh, oh my and, god! And, uh, <laughs> so I, funny. I think so. Like the harder you push yourself, you can mess up. But yeah, the chapter in the book is interesting. Is about Greg Popovich, who invents this thing in the NBA like ten years ago. Which Do you seems, know this? He's ah. the best. He's the best. But you See, would I think. Don't know. It's when like, I read your book, I'm like, oh, there's an NBA. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know what's the going on. Two recent, like, re- like within the last ten to twelve years in the NBA. They like discovered that the three point line was worth more points than shots from the two point line. Like it's like obviously always true. And then like some math genius in the front office was like, "Hey guys, it's worth more points if we shoot here than here." I don't. And it's revolution. Well, so so because it is just literally like, worth more. When points. you were a kid. Yes. The NBA was primarily about getting the ball close to the basket where a really tall person would dunk it in. Yes. And because they were so tall, they would make it most of the time. Yes. Tall and big. This Cherry is Shaq. Picking. Yeah. But then, like if you've heard of Steph Curry, Steph Curry is short I and know, not I super tall and strong, but he's very <laughs> accurate from the three-point line. Okay. And this revolutionized the NBA because even if you miss a higher percentage of your three-point shots they're still on average worth more points than a higher percentage from the two-point line. Yes. Which is all no, second. No, don't roll your eyes like it's boring. I yeah. thought that was very interesting. But this is, but this is a tangent to the... Yeah. the, the, the actual, but that, that's, that That's a recent invention in the NBA, a game that's like 70, 80 years old. And now you like, see more Larry Birds. The whole game is around the three-point line. Yeah. And even big big guys who would typically get the ball low also have to shoot three-pointers. And if they're not good at it, then they're not as good as someone who can. Okay. But the other invention, which Popovich pioneers, is he realizes that players tend to get tired towards the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> and that if you rest them, they are better in the playoffs. Can and, I just say, when I was listening to this chapter, yeah. there was part of me that was like, sometimes it just gets a little too close to like farmers and livestock. Do okay. you ever get that feeling? No. Where they're like, well, oh, if they plow sure, the fields, sure. but you yes, got to rest yes, the ball. Yes. There's not a lot of love. Like, yes. It seems They're loving. like numbers on a balance sheet. Exactly. Or, uh, yes, yes, but yes. They're, they're talking about a human person, and they're like, if we rest him. Like, but it, that's but in like his, a very... In, in, it's, it's almost that he was like, oh, we... like." We just treat the these are thoroughbred racehorses, and, we and we're wi- treating yeah. them like they're not. And yes. and so he makes this decision uh, in a nationally televised game against the Heat, which is their rivals. He sends the players home, and he's like, "You're you you played in the Olympics last year. You we made it all the way to the like uh, very deep in the playoffs last year. You're like in your 15th season. Like this is too much. This game doesn't matter. What matters is are you ready." Uh, during the playoffs, and so we're gonna 
rest you. And he calls this load management. Can I ask a question? Yeah. A dumb sports question. It's already a, a foregone conclusion that they're going to be in the playoffs. No, but the game is 82 seasons long. So one, if you're right, like obviously they matter and they matter closer towards the postseason when it's like, yes, the, it's it's more clear how many games will separate you and what place will make. I but he basically he goes like, hey, this it's not worth it. I, I talked to this one on my podcast. I talked to this one. Um, Edit that out. Uh, <laughs> I talked to this mountain bike racer. Uh, her name was Kate Courtney, and she, her coach told her once she's like, because she's sort of like me, this works too hard in practice. She's like, "Do you want to be fast now or fast later?" Oh wow! And so that's what Popovich is making the trade off. He's going. Do you want to be later. good later, or yeah. do you want to be good for a long time, or do you want to hurt yourself now? Yeah. And and so he rests <laughs> them. The funny part of the story is that he thinks he's sending them home on the team plane. Uh, but there's a problem with the team plane. And so he ends up uh, having to book them a Southwest flight. Uh, and so, so they're on it with three a bunch superstars of yeah. who are seven feet tall are scrunched. And so that was also the reason they ended up getting in so much trouble for it is that everyone knew it was coming because they'd been seen on, like, instead of flying just towards Miami, they're on a Southwest flight towards mm-hmm. San Antonio, like the day of the game. And oh that was part of God. that's part of how it went. But even pre-Twitter, people could that rumor could spread just yes. on a rotary phone. Well, this was 2012, so this was <laughs> oh it was okay. Yeah. But that's and that's my point. This is I not, can't believe it broke this, that late. This wasn't like 1982. I've been picturing yeah. winning time this yeah. whole time. No, no, this is very recent. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steph Curry is a recent player. Everybody, um, that's... I, there are there may still be one or two players from that team that have not retired. Like this, that wow. recent. Okay. Um, wow. I mean, like one of the players, Manu Ginobili, who's awesome, and you, you would, he would actually love you. Um, really? Yes. Why do you uh, say that? Real he's quick, just really just funny, real, and he loves quick. books and okay, podcasts yeah, and stuff. Okay. Anyways, he um he was inducted in the Hall of Fame like this week. Wow. So like, but it, so that's how recent it is. Like, mm. it, it, and okay. but the idea that even the NBA more recently, uh, the, like in the last three or four years, as a league, not even like a team trying to get advantage, realized that that back-to-back games are really bad for the players. Yeah. So, like, they have to get on... That that mean, like, uh, and Baxter Holmes wrote this piece in in ESPN about it, about, uh, like, sleep. Like, the NBA has only recently started to think about, like, how much sleep are you getting? And so all of these things, which seem very basic, are, in fact, not basic at all. And even at the elite level, they're not basic. Hmm. And That's insane to yeah, me. Yes. Because my whole life, I think you're the same way. One of the things we relate over is looking to get that Coca-Cola recipe just right. Yeah. And I'm looking at things like like shifting gears. Like I don't yeah. want to... Now I'm adding that to my recipe. Don't shift gears more than twice in yeah. a day. Because if I had my Largo show and I had a podcast, and one more thing, the Largo show's going to not be yeah. as good. It sucks. I need that rest and that relief of burden. But sleep is such an obsession of mine. It's like if I have a great day, I'm looking at not just last night's sleep, but the, a few nights before. I can't believe the NBA wasn't having everybody wear, a, what are they called, whoops and stuff? Yeah, well, it's like, what are you optimizing for? If you're optimizing for having the most efficient schedule, you're not thinking about the people who have to, who are like the things you're moving around. Yes. Right? And so that it was, it's You only... should be seeing like when they talk to their parents. Yeah. You really should. Yeah. You should go like Jordan, like remember how Jordan plays better when he's mad. Yeah. You should be like, this guy plays better. Steph Curry plays better if he doesn't call his mom on Sunday or if he does. And it sounds like a bit. Well, this but is... I'm funnier if I'm angry because I just had a bad call home. <laughs> well, all the all the teams now have sports psychology. They've all started to think oh, they about have. that stuff. Yeah. Um, 
because they're like, we pay this person $40 million a year, yes. and then we're just like, go do your thing. Dude, it's the same with acting. Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, actors coming in hungover, not still drunk, not sleeping, and you're just like, you want to think, hey, we're giving, let's say it's a million dollars for yeah. a movie. We want to think that means you're going to get eight hours or right. at least something, but you're like, no. I'm not saying we should marshal this, but maybe not everybody knows that those things matter. No, they <laughs> you know? don't. Or there's just a million, like, like for the pan, like I know all these things. And then when the pandemic happened and it took a bunch of stuff away. The pandemic? Yeah. It, it was suddenly like, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. oh, this, there, this is what those opportunity costs look like because I'm not doing stuff. And now my other stuff is better. So is it in their contract now that it's like, we, we want access to your sleep data? Uh, or no. you see guys that want to stay out all night, give their whoop to someone else? Like, <laughs> well, you got to sleep for me. A lot of teams me. now, like, that, you wear heart monitors in practice, and they can track, like, who's working hard, who's working too hard. They can really? try to catch people, like, before injuries and stuff. Especially in college sports, where they have more, like, control over the players. <laughs> um, the problem is these are also, like, grown adults who have sacrificed so hard to get where they are, you'd think, oh, of course they want to sacrifice more. Yeah. But there's also a part of you that's like, but I'm, I'm here. 22 and I made $10 million last year. Yes. I, wanna, I, I don't want to be a monk. What is the, it's like success actually starts to become the impediment. This is something, did you watch the Donut King documentary? No. I was very interested that, it, I, I've told this a million times and I'm pretty sure it's Cambodian uh, immigrants started all the donut places sure. out here in LA. And I found this was fascinating because the reason why they started losing after one generation of really kicking ass, making millions and millions of dollars, was because when you make millions and millions of dollars, you send your kids to college, and right. kids that go to college don't want to work at their parents' donut place <laughs> sure. for free, yeah. which is how they kept their overhead so low sure. and why they made millions of dollars. So it's like right. success ends. So here they are. You make all these sacrifices. Now you're 22, and I give you 10 million dollars. It's like the worst thing I could do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the absolute worst choice. Well, yeah. Tennessee Williams calls it the catastrophe of success. And so, yeah, you arrive, you do your thing, and now, and this is what I kind of am talking about in the book is it, like before you had to have wow. discipline because if you're not disciplined, you can't like get to where you wanted to go. But now you're here, yep. and now you can do whatever you want. And now it's like a different kind of discipline is required. That occurred to me it, what, reading your book. It reminded me of another book. The, the title is Escaping Me, but it's something like you made it, now what? Like, yeah. what do you do after you reach a cruising altitude? Yeah. People lose... That's why, not to bring up my work, but like Crashing was an easy, easily compelling show because it's about making sure. it. But what's actually pretty interesting, but less it's less easy to describe to people is what do you do when you've like made it and now you're tempted to fuck off, become an alcoholic, phone it in. Like you see this, we see this with artists and athletes all the time. And I actually think that's the harder thing. Cause like the other, there is a version where you solve that problem by just never accepting that you've made it. Right. So like this is what you see, you remain perpetually hungry all like the, the michael the reason michael jordan is making himself mad is mad is so he has something to prove right uh and he wants he, to play like he's still trying to prove yeah which is what he was doing like i can do this i can do this now he's doing it now he has to be mad at yeah somebody just to stay that way okay. yeah and that works but it's not exactly a recipe for being like 
I don't even want to say a good person, but like a happy person. Like yeah. it, it's not, it, it's very costly to everyone around you and also to sort of enjoying that success. So to me, the heart, like, can you be good at what you do and be like, find a reason to be good with it without using the sort of artificial fuel of like, oh, I'm going to pretend I didn't make it. Yeah. I'm still angry or whatever. Like, the can che- you, it's a yeah. cheap fuel. Yes. It's not a clean burning gas. That's right. It affects the people around you and all that stuff. Yeah. I actually see people. Or, or I'd love to hear what you think about this. Like sometimes when I get low, like let's say something goes wrong, uh, then I, f- I do catch myself having more naturally occurring motivation. Sure. And it's because I did something and I felt like a fraud. I just went, I did a show in Vegas. It didn't go my way. It was a corporate show. Yeah. Those are awful. Yeah, uh, yeah. You typically difficult shows and it didn't go well. And then the next show, you're like, you're really fighting for it. And then I started to go like at really, really high levels, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, whoever, are they manufacture? Are they failing on purpose? Like sometimes I wonder, are they investing in something knowing they're going to fail because they want to get mad? Are they Jordaning it that way? Yeah, in sports they they'll make something up. So it'd be like, okay, Kevin Durant wins with Golden State, and then then like commentators said, well, you weren't the bus driver. Like you weren't. Re- it wasn't. It didn't count because you're with other people. Wow. And then so like he has he ends up going to another team and it hasn't gone well. For a, a lot of reasons, Katie's laughing. Uh, but but the point is, like, the idea that like you're not a success because you were successful with other successful people is exactly the kind of like insidious evolutionary like ego driven lie that we tell ourselves and other people tell us. So we're not happy and content and just like good. Right. There has to be like a reason that it's not enough. But that's why it's sort of insanity. I don't know if you know that I love a, a woman named Byron Katie who has something called The Work. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Bell? She does this whole thing where you would take into question your beliefs, right? Yeah. And I'm almost done. I know people have heard me talk about this too much. But if you go like, I need another championship, yeah. she would say, is that true? Yes. Uh, and like, what's behind it? Like, yeah. I need another championship to be happy. Mm-hmm. Is that true? She could like help settle them down yeah. and go, dude. You have all of your needs met, a family that loves you, a house in Bora Bora, or whatever the fuck it is. Just yeah. like, just be happy. But it would break everything in the West. <laughs> like, we need these myths. But the, and that's what I mean. So, like, let's say she worked, and I do that with myself. Like, so let's say you get there and you're like, no, I actually don't need another championship. Yeah. Can you still be good at basketball? Without need, like, can you get to a place where you're doing what you want because you like doing it, or it's pure and it's part of who you are and it's your calling, etc. And not this is this is the the drama that's surrounding Tom Brady. To go back to sports right now, he uh, he leaves New England, which is like the most grueling place you could possibly play sports. News to me. Yeah, he <laughs> he go he goes to Tampa Bay, and one of the one of the speculations is he goes there. Um, because he wants to continue playing football, but he wants to his wife wants him to play it in a more like sustainable environment where he's not like a miserable mess all the time, where he's uh. not like grinding himself. So he goes and he wins there. It proves everyone wrong. Wins the most uh, Super Bowl rings that anyone's ever won, nice and then retire. He has a really good season last year. Retires at the end of it. And, or speculate he's going to retire. He retires. He makes it like 20 days and then he unretires and he's coming back this year. And now, again, I don't know him. So this, I'm just 
I'm using this as a general metaphor rather than speculating on a certain person's personal life. But the argument, or the, the speculation is that she, his wife is leaving him uh, over this, that she, the agreement was he would retire. She had been like sort of stay at home with the kids this whole time. And she's like, you better retire because I need you around. Yeah. And plus football is like a super dangerous game. And like, it's like boxing, like you should leave yes. before it's too late. Yes. And, and so the, that to me is like the that's can you so if you can keep doing it and it doesn't tear your family apart then it's probably good then you should keep doing it but like if you if you would trade your family for one more shot well that's an addiction isn't it yeah probably at that point it's 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 literally an addiction i also wonder because the question you just asked couldn't be more fascinated can you generate your own heat as opposed to like I've been thinking about like how the Golden Globes or the Emmys, they, they just had the Emmys yeah. or the Oscars. Like, are these gifts? Sometimes I go like, what a bunch of bullshit. But I'm like, or is it like a, a nice thing that we all agree to do going like, look, Denzel Washington, you made it. Yeah. But we're going to make an award that even you had to wait until, well, training day was a second. But you know what I mean? Sure. Like, We're going to wait for a long time to give you a reason to keep doing it because human beings are like meaning-making animals and will even make meaning for others. Because like, Petey that wants to prove it to somebody, like I love winning somebody over. Yeah, I love winning a new thing over, like going like I can't, like a little bit of that Jordan, like I can do this, I can do this. But once you've proven enough of those things, I, I do catch myself going like, well, if I did this, then maybe I could just like, slowly fade away or meaning like find balance in a different like i think this is interesting to you right like at what point do you take even more for you and your family and and even more energy away from just your climbing mountain stuff but and that's is are you good at the thing because you actually enjoy the puzzle of the thing and like actually there's it's impossible to turn that off or is it that you were good at the puzzle and then someone said you can be good at the puzzles and there's all these extrinsic external rewards for it and then we sort of conflate the two? I I don't think I'm the authority. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. But yeah, I would I'm like confused. to think you could be really good at what you do. Maybe not like some sort of objective, like the number one person, because maybe that takes a certain level of extraness. Yeah. But that you could just be world-class at something and do it because you like being world class at it. That the clo- I'd love to hear your answer. The closest I come is stand up. Yeah. I, I go like that actually when it goes well. Yeah. Not Vegas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when it if I go into the comedy store and I perform and there is a little bit of a competition. Not it's not nasty. But if you're if you blow the doors off and it wasn't a good room, that's a great feeling. And it's like you know it's up. I've never done cocaine, but I have to imagine just what cocaine feels like. You have a very invincible, happy feeling. And I'll be a little bit more balanced through the week because I kind of like met that specialness need. Um, The other stuff, I'm not so sure. Like I'm haunted, and I'd love to know your answer. Here's $300 million. Yeah. And then it's like, what do you keep doing? I can tell you I would keep doing stand-up. Yeah. but And I could tell you I would keep... Tell me your what's your answer and and what goes through your mind when you yeah, consider I don't know. something. Yeah, I mean like it's it, it I think it's tricky. Stand up I'm jealous of stand up because you it's it's this weird equalizing thing inside your like what other sort of profession has like this thing where everyone 
submits their pretenses and equalizes themselves in a sort of humble setting and just does the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, there isn't really, like, that'd be like if you mean the NBA also had thing. these pickup games yeah. or something, which exactly. I guess they do, but it, it it's not really, that's not how it works it's in how most it works. things. Yes. Yeah. And that that is sort of very pure. So, so the thing is just doing the thing and getting the reaction from the audience, the purest form of it like exists and you can just do it. And then you, you do see most of the really big, objectively successful top people in the thing still do that. Mm -hmm. And with writing though, I see a lot of writers get very successful and then they don't really write books anymore or mm -hmm. they, they find other stuff that is similar, but they don't do the hard thing of yeah. the thing. Does that keep going? Yeah. I like the hard thing. I do mostly the hard thing. But <laughs> even 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 that though, like there's a I loved so it. When I was finishing this book, um, I was like sitting at home one day, I guess it was in the middle of the day, and my six year old was like sitting at the table coloring. I guess he was five then. And and he said, I'm sorry you lost your job, Dad. And I was like, What? He's like, I'm sorry you lost your job writing books. And he had just thought like I wasn't doing it anymore. <laughs> but I was doing it, like a lot. I was just doing it like less like a crazy person right and so it's like so he didn't to, recognize it, it ceased anymore. to exist as like a thing that was like stressing him out and it was a, it was a it was like one of those weird things like i didn't it was a weird like offhand remark that i don't think maybe he even didn't mean it but that's what it meant to me yeah and it was just like one of those like like offhanded observations that kids can make but i was like oh yeah that's what i but that's to me that that is a harder needle to thread and thing to do than to sell a book that's sold however many millions of copies, right? Mm. Like more people, although not that many people, can be really objectively successful. How many of them can do it and are not like monsters <laughs> or yeah. unbalanced crazy people or Right, whatever. and achieving that balance yeah. really difficult. Yeah. Going back to Jordan, yes. kind of creating phantoms to keep yourself going. Yes. It's a really special thing to, because I'm with you. So when I did a network sitcom, uh, Birbiglia, not Millennia, Birbiglia and I were talking about it. I was like, it's funny, man. I have this movie idea. I've had this movie idea for many years. And I was like, since I've been doing this show, and I, I was totally happy with this, but I was like, I haven't really been working on the idea, the movie idea. Yeah. Because it's hard. Yeah. And Birbiglia goes, I kind of, I don't want to say I call bullshit on yeah. this, but it's very easy to be Master Splinter in this moment and be like, that's why I don't do those things. But he was talking about the risk of comfort and the risk of getting the sweet gig, which yeah. that was. And then he's like, what won't you make because your train came in in this way? Let's yeah. let's be completely clear. Networks that come pay more money than sure. other jobs. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. You're like, why would you bust your ass for two, three years writing a movie for maybe what you would make in a couple weeks on a, on a right. sitcom. And, and that's a dangerous question. Yeah. And you're, it's one thing uh, you have no control, but it's certain. The other thing, you don't have any control and it's uncertain. So why would you choose yeah. the other? Why do you like the difficult thing? I mean, that's super interesting. Well, I mean, I, I think writing is the writing is the thing and then all like Cheryl Strayed once made this distinction I saw between writing and publishing which I really like oh wow um, and like writing is the thing that I like doing and writing is the thing that ultimately is sort of up to me and the only I can do this is stand up you could change yeah. that with stand up yeah yeah and and so like that I also think like what kind of success is it that 
the reward for it is not doing the thing that you're good at and that you previously found a lot of meaning and happiness in how how is it a reward to stop doing the thing that used to give you joy yes yeah no that's because you're busy or whatever well let me put this to you because publishing and writing love it i was i just was val and i just had lunch and i was we talk about our goals and dreams and like where we're headed like your your herculean moment where where are we going what are we doing is comfort really the goal whatever it is and i was like you know what it is if like if I had whatever the number is, let's say it's $10 million. It's just like, here you go. That's money, more money than you need for your life. Yeah. For your life, for your family. It's like, here you go. Um, I'm like, I would keep doing stand-up writing, but I wouldn't chase filming specials, publishing. Yeah, That's sure. more, that's not fun. Yeah, Nobody likes going around being like, do you want a special? Like, it, yeah. it might be fun to be Bill Burr or, or you know, Tom But Segura. don't you think if you were just purely doing stand-up for that reason, and then you were like, this is my best work, then the you're like, would I come. would do a special, but the spe- and I wonder if that would actually make a better special, because there wouldn't be any, like, thirst in it. It would just yeah. exist well, as the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I've caught myself, I love writing TV pilots as well and, and TV shows and episodes and all that sort of stuff. And it's a very tricky thing when you start writing the show to sell. Like you're like, this yeah. will sell. Yeah. As opposed to, you know what my artistic goal is? And you see this with Chappelle and whatever uh, others. It's like, and sometimes I say this to the audience, I go, let's stop pretending there's an after this show. Let's do stand up as if we're terminally ill. Sure. Let's do stand up as if... At, at the end of the show, the whole theater explodes. That is the show. Can you imagine? Like, I would love to see me yeah. do stand up if I knew at the end of this, we're done. Sure. Because no accountability. You could just say what you're thinking. This, this is what makes, you know, I'm not trying to be funny, like old people at the end of their lives entertaining if they if they can get there well that is the weird thing like when you when people think about death they, or they go, an asteroid's coming to earth what we do and they go like it'd be chaos because they like, try heroin or you know they do like crazy but it's it's more like no you already started this thing and now you know it's the last time you get to do that thing how how would you do it yeah like there's an internet meme that's like um and they say it's from the movie sandlot but it's not in the movie sandlot but it's like there was this time that you went out to play with all your friends and you didn't know it was the last time you would do it. Yikes. And then it sort of hits you like right there. But so like the it's the last more, time you pick up your kids. Yeah. Or, or any of the, it's because the, they get too big. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, but, uh, so if you were, if you're, people are like, like you're sending this email, you're like, it's the last email you're ever send to, or you're going to die tomorrow. They'd be like, well, I just wouldn't send the email. So it's like a way of not having to wrestle with like, no, what would you do if you were just fully present in the thing? But I also think the test is good. There's a line in Meditations where Marcus really says, you're afraid of death because you won't be able to do this anymore. Mm. And the this is like fill in the blank. Mm. Like, so you're like, oh yeah, I want to live forever. But like, you hate what you're doing right now. And so- You are killing it. Yeah. And so if you think about it more like, no, like- Buddy, This is one of those good. things that makes me want to be alive. That's a good thing. Yes, yes. I have- Again, Lunch with Val, I almost said this to her, but I didn't. I'll say it to you. I've been noticing I'll get really stressed out about something. And one of the thoughts that will sort of rescue me is I go, memento moria. I go, you could die now. Yeah. 
is this how you want to feel when you die? Like, oh, sure. meaning like I'm harping on something. Right. I always liken it to it. My brain is changing TV channels and it's just looking for stuff to freak me out. Yeah. It's like, is this going to make you obsessed? Is this going to make you obsessed? Is this going to make you anxious? It's like the horror movie theater in my brain. And I go, it's like I said with the stand-up. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. Again, it's probably a Sandlot moment, but the Buddha is purported to say it's attributed to the Buddha. The mistake you make is thinking you have time. Yeah. And when I remind myself, let's say I'm on the highway, you could get T-boned right now. Do you really want to be grinding your teeth going like, I can't like, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm all for feeling our feelings. I'm not yeah. about denial. But how long are we going to let this go on yeah 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 you're you're paying with your most precious resource which is your time this yeah and then i'm hoping not to die and so much of my time is just being like (laughs) super stupid but also super funny that is one thing so when i was talking to to manu once the the basketball player and and he was saying that um and a, a lot of the athletes i've talked to after they retired have said something similar where they're like i wish i had more fun while i was doing it yeah. Right. Because their competitiveness makes it not fun. But they only get to do it for a short amount of time. And he, he, they had this sort of devastating loss in in, uh, in the finals to the Heat. And he was sort of, he was like, my, like it was like a funeral in my house. Like it was so bad. And then he was like, but I just played in the NBA finals. Like this is the dream. Like I get to do the thing and yeah. I should enjoy it. And I do like writing in the past has often been very miserable for me. Partly because I felt I had something to prove. Or I felt like I, like it was this battle for control with me and like the publisher or whatever. Or I had like certain ambitions for it, and then now I feel like I have more confidence, and I'm just like I'm. One place this is manifested with like I would I would have anxiety about deadlines. Like I have to get it in by this time, which means blah blah blah, and then. This might sound a little like divish, but I'm like they'll wait for me. Like, like it, the book will be the book, right? So, like, what do yeah. I, what do I, why am I not enjoying it while I'm doing it? Because I'm worried that I might hit the not hit the deadline. And then, by the way, that's actually just taking away time from working on the book. And I'll probably, I probably will hit the deadline. It's just not hitting the deadline is not an existential right. like problem. It's that's in my head. They don't care. Like, and in fact. If I didn't hit the deadline, they'd be like, how much more time do you need? And so, like, why can't you give yourself that gift now and then just actually do the thing? Give yourself the love you're waiting for them to give you. Because it's all just made up. They're just giving it to you. It's a pretend exchange. It's like Bitcoin. It's not not real. Um, Well, they would say all money is not real. That's true. Yeah, no, that's right. Bitcoin was founded on the principle that I'm attributing. There's math in here, so it's more real. It's more real. That's right. I... My life was changed. I used to be very anxious yeah. about getting to shows on time because I'd be driving yeah. a rental car to a college. And I, I just, Mike Britt, this comic I worked with, very funny guy, we were traveling together, which was such a gift. I got to see how other more experienced yeah. comedians traveled. And we were running late to this show. And he goes, there's no show without us. And I was like, "Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. And there's no book without yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not arrogant. It's just like, relax. This is why what, what came to mind when you're talking about your, your guy wishing he had enjoyed the playoffs yeah. or not been like a funeral yeah. when they lost. It's like, this is why I think we love movies about like, and I just considered this, if 90, I'm going to make myself 90, 90 year old Pete is in a deathbed and it goes like, you can go back and live that day where you interviewed Ryan for the third time yeah. on your couch. I would be like, 
there's Katie. No, I'm not. I'm not looking at you because you're typing. I'm like, there's Katie, and like, there's Ryan. Look at my. <laughs> Like I'd, yeah. I'd be giddy. Yeah, sure. This is why we love uh, a Christmas Carol. Like all yeah. these things where it's like, if something could just snap us out. I think neurologically, we're talking about grooves. I'm like another podcast. Yeah, sure. And again, we're back to that thing. If I was like, if we knew we were going to blow up yeah. after this conversation, would have a. But that's what I'm trying to. In, in, <clears throat> it all comes down to just like, with. oh, I would just actually show up and be there for it. I wouldn't like yes. think about this or that or want it to be a certain way. I would. It would just be what it is. Yeah. And that that seems to be the place that all philosophy and spiritual traditions are trying to get you towards right certainly meditation and over and speaking of meditation you do it by doing it over and over and over and literally creating a new habit of being present i i noticed the other night i came home i had two podcasts and then i drove home which as you know is is a longer commute now so i, I had been in the car for like three hours that day and then i had like probably four hours of podcasting then i went home and i was trying to get home by six so val could go to this dance class all that sounds fine on paper but so i had to go from work mode and driving mode which isn't the most chill mode to instantly putting a four-year-old to bed sure and i noticed because at least i'll say this about when i'm suffering at least when i'm suffering i go you're suffering yeah i'm really look at you you can't stop and what i was doing was not only do I have to put Leela down, I wasn't just showing up for putting Leela down, which, by the way, I've made this point a million times, is a pleasure if you look sure. at it. She's testing you. She, yeah. she wants to see if you're down to clown, where the boundaries are. And if I knew I, I was visiting that moment from my 90-year-old deathbed, I would have been, are you fucking kidding me, my four-year-old daughter? I would have <coughs> exploded into ecstasy for that opportunity. But I couldn't stop going... This isn't fair. Yeah. I'm building a story. I've been working all day. I need, talk about shifting gears. That's really the issue. I need a threshold time. I should have been able to like take a shower, just a shower, just to like go into down, whatever, but uh, just a sob story. And then I'm going, and when she's down, I still have to do the intro. And then there's this breathing technique we've been doing and it takes 30 minutes. I'm like, then it's bedtime. And I'm like, that's my fucking day. Like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, immediately, yeah. what am I doing? You're extrapolating. I, I'm, I'm making a problem yeah. Yeah. through extrapolation. Yeah. But like, that's why I find it helpful. And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But like, there's a part of us that wants that, or at the very least, I would say is addicted to it. Yeah, of course. Well, I remember, this is maybe like six months ago or a year ago, I put my oldest down and there was like a limited amount of daylight. So it's like... In the summer, like when I put them down, then I can go like work out after. Uh, otherwise, I have to like work out inside because it's dark. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna get to go for a run. And so I get him down, and then like uh, I go outside and like putting on my shoes and getting ready. And then he's like appears. You know, like how they appear after like he just appears. And, and can I, I say, you know this? If you have plans yeah. that hinge on. They'll go down easily. Yeah. They will not go down easily. Yeah, it was probably an energy thing. Yeah, they they, they feel it. You're trying to like do something or things aren't set or whatever. You're going to disappear. Anyways, he like pops out and like, I don't know where it came from. But my first thought wasn't like, God damn it. Like I won't be able to do the run. Like extrapolating the time. I was like, oh, I get to do it again. And uh, I was was like, oh, that's how I should think about all the stuff. Like I get to do it again. Yeah. Um, Because it actually is wonderful. And like you said, at the end of your life, you'd be like, I would kill for one more time to do that. Yes. And then here it is. 
and I'm mad because it's interfering with this made-up series of events That's right. that I'm hoping... That don't even exist. Pe- yes. That hinge on things like nighttime yeah. and sleep. And it, they're just like abstractions. Sure. We do this all the time. It's like, we went to bed at like 9, 9.30, so I was probably asleep by 9.30 last night. Baby gets up at 5.30. That was plenty of sleep. Yeah. 5.30, the numbers 530 sure. are making you suffer. Yeah. Not how you feel. Yeah. Not if you got enough rest. You did. But like your brain, again, is, Look, the, is used to it? Or The famous line from the Stokes is that it's not events that upset us. It's our opinion about events. Yeah. And so, yeah. like that's a, There's another quote. It's not what happens to us that torments us. It's our thoughts about. Yeah. It's probably a it's all the same. It's the, the, the idea that like it just is, right? Like, yeah. like I, when I talk to like uh, hedge funds and stuff, I go like, you know, like a bull market and a bear market do not exist. These are made up things that we've come to describe a made up thing, which is the economy. Mm-hmm. Like the market doesn't exist either. It's just people doing stuff. And then this you've right made up a concept and then you've made up whether it's a good version of that concept or a bad version of that concept. And then you like pull your hair out. But like it just exists. It just is. It just is. Yeah. And I mean, that's obviously you're not going to be good at trading if you don't want, if you don't understand what these things are but understanding that they are abstractions should help you actually be better at it because then you're like oh like a hedge fund what's different between like a hedge fund and you're like a value investor a value investor just needs the market to go up but like a really great investor can also make money when the market goes down Mm. so it isn't there is no positive or negative like Mm. it just it just is and you take advantage of it one way or another and and that's obviously easier said than done, but like it's it's the project like I need it to be a certain way or it should be a certain way or it's unfair if yes. it's a certain way. Yes. That's the source of the suffering or the distress, but it does not exist. I, it's, I think it's Chinese Zen. It might be Taoism. It says the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, that's the whole thing. This is pulled right out of my own thought, uh, my own brain. And I've said it before, but I want to hear your reaction to it. When I, there was a flight out of Montreal, it was all comedians, and the flight was like delayed, something like six hours yeah. or something. It was like a really, it was a thick delay. Yeah. And it was something like a 6 a.m. flight or something, so we'd all, none of us had slept. Right. So I understand, some people got mad. Yeah. Uh, and I remember they were mad at Delta, and I was like, again, like you with your kid, I don't know why yeah. that day Buddha Pete showed up, and Buddha Pete was like, there is no Delta. There's this plane. <laughs> yeah, sure. You could argue that noticing a pattern of reliability or whatever and employees and a fleet of planes, yeah. we agree to call it Delta, but like your bull bear, it's not It's not real. It's sure. just this plane. It's like when you get mad, and if you get mad at the gate You're going to yell at this person as if as that's Delta. Delta. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's like, Equus thinking a, a horse is, you know, God. It's like you're just picking one point of the thing and being like, you will be Delta. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to think too, like, so that means also, like, okay, I'm not going to tell myself this is a bad thing. But then that also means that you have the power to tell yourself it's a good thing. So you could be like, this is a fucking adventure. I'm a, like, what are 200 comedians on the same delayed flight? What's that going to look like? Buddy. We had a great time, and yeah. we've both been alive long enough to know you don't even remember the flights that are on time. Yeah. 
the story is the six hour delay. And we did have a, we, I had fun with a lot of those people. Yeah. And I've taken that flight so many times with no problem. And those are gone. They're shredded as they're happening. Maybe we said this last time, but I'd like to call it nostalgia for the present. Yeah. If you can, if you can somehow nostalgia have for the, present. the quality of nostalgia. We love talking about book titles. I have that written down as a possible book title. For the present. That is interesting. Is it good? It sounds like one of those Buddhist things that means nothing and everything at the same time. <laughs> High praise. High yes. praise. But we're like putting your children down. Yeah. If you could be oh, nostalgic sure. for yes. that yes. while like, it's you happening. Only, um, you know who Scott Galloway is? Uh, he's like a marketing business sort of guru guy. He, no. he said this thing to me once that I think about a lot now, which is the sort of same thing but the opposite of it he was saying that like he was looking at a picture of his like eight-year-old and he was grieving his eight-year-old because that eight-year-old's now a 12-year-old yeah like that person is gone that's right he's like it's still great that he's an awesome 12-year-old but he's not the eight-year-old anymore yeah and the idea that like you'll grieve this moment um is really interesting because then i think it makes you present it also it's helped me like you know when you have kids that are like They'll be walking soon, and then you're like, I can't wait for him to. See. You you're not only not enjoying the present, you're, fast you're like fast forwarding and wishing for this other thing that yeah. you're gonna miss now, and yeah. that's that's a very weird thing that we do. And so if you're just like, it's sort of it is what it is, and yeah. like I'm gonna actually enjoy it while it's here. I to me is that that requires weirdly a kind of an active process, but like is really where it's at. I completely agree. Where so you've calm down your son thinking you lost your job came from a lot of effort for you what were those efforts and what led? well so i'm doing like a four books i think where it came from is i'm doing a four book series so i i've this is the second one and then i'm in but the way it works is like i'm now midway through the third and then i have to start thinking about the fourth so like while one is coming out i'm starting the other um but just going like i think having some kind of job security is unique in like my profession because books are normally like a one-off thing so you write a proposal, you have an idea for a book, you sell it, then you go make that thing, and then you have to go do that. But like the idea is like, this is what I'm doing for the next four or five years. Yeah. Like I can have some comfort in it. You're on the wire now. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I've liked that where it's like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And then also, I told myself at the beginning whether this is true or not, but I was like, series take time to develop their audience. So like how the first one does, or even the second one does is not representative of how the whole thing will do. In fact, you need to finish all four to give the whole thing a chance. Mm. So then, like, how the first one did, I didn't really care because I'm writing the second one. How the second one does, I don't, like, obviously I want it to do well, but I don't care that much because I'm working on the third one. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've, I've just, like, I've just, I think I'm just more chill about it because, like, I'm realizing that all, I don't feel any pressure to do that stuff, even though the... The pressure hasn't actually. The pressure didn't exist before, but now I found a reason, a, a story to talk myself out of the pressure, mm. and so I can just sort of be. And I, th- I would like to think it's contributing to a better product. But even if the product was, it, I can safely say it's not making like a hundred percent worse product, right? Yeah. Like it's not garbage. But even if it was twenty percent worse, I would take that trade any day. Interesting. These are your three points. Yes. You're shooting three pointers now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would take a, I would trade, I would trade worse. Yeah. Because it, it's ultimately more sustainable. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not going to burn myself out. I'm not going to drive people away. I'm not going to 
torture myself you yeah, know yeah. and the whole point is that i want to be able to do it for a long time like they're and especially You're resting yourself yeah ex- yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. there's not there isn't some like biological deadline that is looming the way that there would be for certain professions I yeah, guess. sports yeah but uh it's interesting we're back to what we were just talking about which is like if you sell three books yeah there's a real risk of going like well shit the seduction is over i'll admit that i love the sale like, yeah it's hard for me to not I, there's a rush to it for sure yeah, yeah. You, you want that and then you burn off that for a while and then and then you know there's the thick of it and then there's the follow-through and all of that stuff but is there is there more uh need to motivate yourself it sounds like there's less it sounds like you're good with this coasting or this cruising altitude of yeah three books. i don't know i don't know i yeah i don't know i think if if the work is requiring you to be present and connected and like reach some sort of deep insight i don't know if being like hungry and aggressive and like zero sum is actually the attitude that you want to bring towards it that's the interesting thing right like um let's say like ego for instance ego probably helps in like the entertainment and adjacent businesses because like you have this need to get out there and be seen and like you'll ask for stuff that you have no you have oh sorry i was trying to get that glare off your face you have you have no uh right to ask for you know you're more shameless whatever all this stuff yes but then it it hurts because the whole point is creating an empathetic connection like speaking to some part of the going inwards and finding something so like i Mm. i just don't know if that sort of like uh desperation or thirst is the fuel that people want it's like it's fuel but it's destroying the engine you've done a lot of work though to realize that a a calm, steady, quiet workspace of self-motivation. It took a lot of, it sounds like, effort and study to realize, step outside of it and go like, that thirst, that like drive that most of us are looking for, like the Red Bull feeling yeah. is not right. You're trying to enjoy it for its own sake. You're trying to do the work. Uh, yeah, I actually think that the other one's easier. Like it's easier to be like, if I don't do this, like, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or if I need to do this to prove X, Y, like it, th- or like I need to be the best in the world. Like there's a, um, uh, it's based on the exchange between uh, Alexander the Great and Diogenes the Cynic, but um, which is this interesting, unique moment in history where the most powerful, ambitious person in the world, the most insatiable conqueror, repeatedly bumps up against Diogenes, who's not just a philosopher, but he sort of, like in the Buddhist sense, like sort of pushed everything away. Like he sold all his possessions, he wanders the streets. Um, and there's a fictional exchange that I think about. Um, in It's in one of Stephen Pressfield's books. Uh, so it's, it's not real, but so, some version of it. Uh, I'll tell you the real one after. But he, he says, um, like Alexander the Great looks at him, he says, I have conquered the world, what have you done? And he's like, I have conquered the need to conquer the world. Wow. And the real exchange is Alexander the Great finds Diogenes and he's like sort of laying there sunbathing and he goes, I'm the most powerful man in the world. What can I do for you? And uh, Diogenes looks at him and he says, you can stop blocking the sun. <laughs> and so he's like, he just has no need for him whatsoever. Yeah. He's like in, and I'm I'm not saying I'm there at all, but I'm, I'm saying it's like, it's easier actually to want to conquer the world. Than, I agree. Than to want to conquer the world 
and work yourself at, obviously there's a whole percentage of the population that's like why would i want to do that that's never even thought about it i think it's the harder thing is like if you're an ambitious driven person who's good who can make a lot doing these different things to work through that and not be driven by it that's yeah. harder yeah that's really interesting this this um teacher guy named Sadhguru talks about desire and it's like even if you let's say you ryan really think about it too if you ruled the entire world mm -hmm. everything goes through you yeah ultimate power sure however that looks just you could never pay a bill yeah. again you can get all your friends off you can just wield it however you want he's like how long would you rule the world before you'd start looking at the moon? And then if you own For the sure. moon, how long before you start looking at Mars? You see it like, I'm not even putting it down. I'm just saying it's the nature of the human condition. Elon Musk. I should own Twitter. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. I... Although, is that him doing what we were saying at the beginning, picking something that you know is going to kind of sure, go like goofy chaos. to motivate? Yeah, yeah, yeah some yeah. created chaos. Interesting. But, but it's like, of course he's looking at Mars, because if, you, if you're eating every cake... Yeah, you go like I wonder what cake would taste like on a planet that's red or has a different atmosphere or whatever it is. Like it's just an interesting thing. Isn't the real power? Um, it's not. It would, it's, I'm trying to be too poetic by saying powerlessness, but real power is to have it but not need it, and 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 be small enough to just sunbathe on the beach. Well, it is interesting because I, f I forget who said it, but there's some. Uh some guy who was saying like you know like it's very comforting to mediocre people to tell themselves that like great people are unhappy yes. right like as a way to not have to do so but that's what i think is so fascinating about stoicism because like when you think about most of the philosophical schools the people sort of preemptively stepped away from like a certain race or a certain thing right they're like i'm gonna fall go inward i'm gonna seek this sort of spiritual enlightenment What's so interesting, like Marcus Aurelius isn't just like, oh, he's a he's a philosopher and he's like adjacent to power. He is he assumes the purple, as they would say in Rome, like he he becomes Caesar. Like literally, he's a regular person and then he gets the name Caesar and is the most powerful person in the world. He's worshipped as a god. And he he talks in meditations, he's just like I want to avoid being imperialized, like avoid being dyed purple. Like he actually is that. Mm. And like meditations is a document where the most powerful person in the world is, is like sensing themselves looking at the moon and going like, you don't need to worry about the moon. You know, like, mm. uh, like he has this, he has, he's not like me going Alexander the Great. Why was he, you know? He's he could, is he could yeah. do anything that Alexander the Great did. He has all that power. He could be like, I'm going to conquer this country. I'm going to do this. Like, uh, I could. I'm going to change. Julius Caesar renames one of the the months of the year. He's like, that's me now. You know, <laughs> July. That's me now. Uh, and and uh, like he could do that. I but didn't know that. Yeah, actually. So August is from Augustus. Uh, Julius Caesar is July, but uh, Marcus Aurelius's stepfather, the emperor before him, his name is Antoninus Pius. He's offered, who, who you, I'm sure you've never heard of, mm. um, he is offered the chance to name a month after him. And he says, nah, I don't need it. And so, like, I think it's also the example that he's following. But, like, mm. it's interesting to think that he has, it's like one of the only times in history where because typically the people that end up in power are people to whom from day one they power has month. been the whole thing. Yeah. And so here you have 
this person who's ambitious and talented and great, but sort of thrust way above what he would ordinarily have been at. And then all the philosophical things are now being tested in a real way. Mm. And it's like, does he mean them or not? I, I just, I'm writing about Harry Truman a lot in the book I'm writing now. And uh, when Harry, when Theodore Roosevelt said, uh, Teddy, uh, when Franklin Roosevelt suddenly dies, um, this basically like small town farmer who doesn't go to college uh, is president of the United States. And uh, someone, one of like the newspaper writers at the time goes, what an incredible experiment in democracy this is. That just like a regular dude is now the dude. That does, that's basically not hap- the movie King Ralph. Yeah, you realize? that hasn't yeah. happened very many times. And, yeah. it, and it would require a pretty incredible person not to be corrupted by that thing. And it, it's so shocking to me. It's so foreign that someone would go, we can name a month after you, which yeah. still endures today. Yes. And they're like, I'm good. Like, imagine if someone offered a president, we'll yeah. put you on the five. Yeah. We're going to take Lincoln off and it'll be you. Yeah. And they're like, no, that's okay. Yeah. That, but that what, would make more sense. You'd be like too much reverence for Lincoln. What if they're like, we're going to do a $3 bill. Yeah. And it's going to be you. And well, the, when, when Trump was president, when he visited Mount Rushmore. Of and course he they, came to mind. I was like, they, I they, be the million dollar bill. The governor of, <laughs> is it in South Dakota or North Dakota? I don't know. Uh, uh, whatever. The governor gave him a bust of Mount Rushmore with his face added to it. No. And there was no part of him that was like, this is, obs-. he like has it. It's like one of his, pre- that, that, that's what he wants, right? <laughs> And no part of him, <laughs> no part of him was I like. I believe that's South Dakota. I'd, I, I'll, awkward I'll about it, or like obviously this is too much, you know. Um, it's I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna say no. Well deserved. This is know? grotesque. <laughs> I'm not saying it's gross. I'm just saying it. It's beyond the pale. He's like, finally, somebody gets it. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Of course, it was. Wow, so interesting. I mean, we're at, this is a great conversation about why we do anything that we do. But the fact that you have these heroes, that and so do I. I want to put this to you. This is changing gears a little bit. So as you know, you live in, do you talk about where you live? Yeah, I live right outside Austin. You live outside of Austin. And when we, Val and I, were moving to Ojai, I was texting you. I yeah. was asking you about it and all these different things. It, it's ended up being the absolute best thing in the world for, for everybody. Yeah. Not just our daughter. Yeah. But for me as well, turns out I'm a real empath. I absorb energy and all that sort of stuff. I'm a sensitive person. So we're all thriving up there. And buddy, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this. I can't wait for your thoughts on this. For someone who spends a lot of time deep in spiritual philosophy, that the only true happiness is um, not event-based. You have to find the part of you that is made of happiness. Uh, We could call this your soul. We could call this awareness the still quiet place inside. Like, so if you turn all your thoughts down, this is meditation, you'll notice that that sort of vibrating, that, that the, uh, the spring of life inside of you is just fucking fine. Sure. Like it's fine. It's better than fine. It's blissful. Yeah. So that is one of my core beliefs. Yeah. Then I moved to Ohio and I go, I'm 70% happier. <laughs> like yeah. what I honestly, like I wouldn't call it a crisis. But Rob Bell, who I love, I was like, Bobby, I don't know what to do. One of my spiritual precepts is that we need a non-circumstantial joy. And here I am. I just did something as simple as moving my body yeah. from one place to another place. And it's it's not just not dipping, it's increasing with appreciation. And I was like, I don't know how to re- reconcile those two things. And he goes, 
it's a paradox. He's like, both are true. He's like, you need that. And sometimes moving is what you needed. Like, yeah, that's okay. I think you're being way too hard on yourself, though, because <laughs> think about it this way. It's Kick like it. you shouldn't lose your temper at people, especially people that you care about. It's easier not to do that when you're not hungry. Like, right. So like, obviously, there's sort of objectively like what's good and bad or what's right and wrong and the standards you try to hold yourself to. But like, it's easier to be good at basketball when you've slept eight hours. It's harder to do it when you're hungover yeah. or you're not in shape or whatever, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, the, the idea that environmental factors shouldn't contribute to the thing. Like you should be able to, to be a great creative, you have to be able to do what you do anywhere, but you should also have like an office and a space that yes. is part of a routine that yeah. brings it out better and it more consistently that mm. you're not having to white knuckle it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I loved, you said it in a sentence. It's like, it's easier to not lose your temper. And by the way, we got to talk about this. My dad texted, this is so, how funny is it, Ryan? My dad, we talk about stuff like yeah. this all the time. My dad texted me today to uh, get in touch with the son of some friend of his who's in LA. By the way, the last time I did that, it ended up being a lovely conversation. What I don't like about it is there's no ask. Yeah. It, there's no, and there's no no. There's no, there's no no on the yeah. table. Yeah. Because unfortunately, my wounded child self has learned that the quickest way to end this, and I'm going to call it an altercation. I don't think it is to my dad. Yeah, sure. To me, it feels like this... I completely blow it out of proportion because of whatever is going on inside of me. And I overreact. And I'm like, the quickest way to end this is to just do it. Yeah. But I say to Val, I'm like, it's like a PTSD thing. A PTSD thing. I go right into like a fear place. We were having lunch at a restaurant nearby. And I was just like, all these people can go. Meaning, <laughs> fuck all yeah. these people. Everybody here. Like I went from Pete. Yeah what I like to think of as Pete to like, fuck everybody, fuck everything. I hate everything. I don't even want to do this podcast. Like I had to work yeah, through true. it. And I was like, how funny is it, dude, that it was the day you were doing the podcast. He doesn't do that very often. And by the way, I love my dad. I understand. But like the dynamic is like, to me, you, you do this because you're my son. Like you have to do this for me because yeah, I'm asking. Sure. And I'm just like, I would shit in my hat if it just included I'm sorry to be a bother. Yeah. Especially when it's probably like the thing that, by the way, when I wasn't good or highly paid at it, you saw no value in whatsoever. I, this is you know where, what I mean? Yes. Yeah, there's for the, sure. There's a sort of like, now that it's good for you socially with your friends, it's something you care about. And but when I was not good at it, there was all sorts of judgment. Yeah, that I, for sure. And also like now... It's a commodity that you can trade. Yeah. That you go, he's busy, but I can make him show up. <laughs> yeah. And the times that I have yeah. um, not, forget it. It's like the worst thing in the world that I could wow. do. Like, he like really, almost like, it's, it, it's childlike. How do you think that is? is? It's just, because there's no, there's that muscle in our, in our family was just never exercised at all. So if I go like, you know what, dad? No. <laughs> it would just be like, oh, okay. Like almost like silent treatment. Like really, yeah. he knows that if he does nothing, my own guilt will flare up so hot that I'll, that I'll give in. And yeah. I hate what I'm telling you right now. Yeah. That's why I just do it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I feel powerless and upset. And I'm like, 
how are you with all this stuff? Is there are there updates, family stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely found like my marriage is better the less I am in contact with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I would say I didn't find this. I was informed that this is the case by your wife. Yes, because because yes, she's Tom. She's doing the good Tom Brady. Yeah, she's going. You need to draw this boundary. Yeah, so the energy is just different and. Yeah, I'm sure it's a million reasons why, but that that is a that is a real to go to your point about like I should be happier where I should be happy wherever I live, but you can live wherever you want, so you live there and it's better. But the hard part is like, okay, uh, if your life is better without certain people in it, um, is your obligation to having a better life, or is your obligation to your parents or to this like how you hate your boss should you but should you keep going to that job or should you get a different job that yeah how much are you clinging to the identity that you're not the kind of person that like slowly backs away from your family yeah 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 and those are the commodities on the table sorry to keep saying commodities but it's like one of them is like your feeling of being a good son yeah like so there probably is a part of me that's like look i'll do it yeah and if i'm in my best possible mood maybe i'd even do that but or there's like, Val and I, one of the reasons we moved to Ohio was our little mantra was good life when. Like, have you noticed that like yeah. people are just like, oh, I'll just, uh, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. We'll people do that, do, later, we'll do that like, later. We'll do that later. I've and then that. you're dead. And then you're dead, Ryan. <laughs> I've seen that you're twice. You're dead. Twice in my life. Because so first off, we moved out to Texas. We live in the country. We have like a farm. We have some animals and stuff. And people go, I've always wanted to do that. Yes. As if, as if there's some like. Uh, Force field. Yeah, or like <laughs> test you have to pass or whatever, right? Yes. Like it's, I guarantee you, it certainly was then, the farm costs less than your apartment in New York City. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could do it. You just yeah. don't want to do it. I, Val and I talk about this all the time, not to be the special people that got out, but we notice that there's a certain, we call it the the spell. Yeah. Where like there's a, a spell has been cast that keeps a, a, a certain choice. And Ojai is also pricier. Being outside of Austin yeah. is pricier. But these things don't have to be in these chic areas. Yeah. But we get that too. Is like, you got out. You did it. I've always thought about doing that. Or we get the extreme uh, outright mockery. Like, oh, why sure. would you do that? People will say, I don't understand how you could drive an hour and a half into the city. And then in the next sentence, tell me that they drove an hour to their kid's school and an hour back. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, the drive to my daughter's school, I'm going to tell you how to go. Ready? Uh, left, right, right. It's on the left. Yeah. And I was like, it's it's a 10 minute drive. Sure. And I, I just, I'm excited to talk to you about this. Well, since I saw you last, I opened a bookstore in like the little I know, I saw you. And the same up, thing, people are like, yes. oh, I've always wanted to do it. And again, it that was harder to do than opening, uh, than starting, uh, than moving to the country. But again, it's like, it's a thing literally anyone could could do. There's not, there, again, there's no like certification. Yes. Um, Nobody's going to ask for a badge. The, the cost of doing it is not any more than the office space you're paying for, for you and your seven That's exactly what I'm saying. The, the hour to and from your kid's school is the same hour and a half that it would be to and from a small town. Yeah. But like, I, what is it? Is it cultural indoctrination? or, or I, I couldn't tell I you. I think it's fear. I mean, it's like they want to do it, but they don't want the cost of it potentially not working. Yeah, the embarrassment. Yeah. Well, yeah, the you don't want to do something different because then you have to explain why you did it and then it's weird that you did it. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, what if it doesn't work? Like if, although this is how a friend of mine lives in Austin and then they decided to move home to be closer to his parents in somewhere in the Midwest and they hated it and they moved back. Mm. And uh, I actually like really respected it yes. that like, that they admitted that they didn't like it and just did it. You know what I mean? Like they, they didn't just be like, I guess we live here in this place that we hate forever. <laughs> I have a joke. You're going to love it. I think. It's about how my dad was on Uber and he was trying to tip the Uber driver. And I, I said, dad, just give me the phone. I'll do it for you. Because I could. I, yeah. he was just pushing buttons willy-nilly. <laughs> I took the phone and he, was, he swapped to Uber Eats. And there were, tw- uh, it was three dozen, 36 steamed vegetable dumplings <laughs> in his Uber Eats cart. And one more mash. They would have been delivered to the Italian restaurant. That's all fun. It's a good story. But the part that I that really hits me in the heart every time I do it is I go, and my dad is a proud man. That means he would have eaten 36. <laughs> sure. He would have been like, I think dipping them in marinara. Yeah, this is a good combo, good mashup. Because rather than... Sure. And it can actually make me a little emotional because I know I can be this way too. Rather than saying like, you know, Peter, I'm confused a lot of the time. Technology is overwhelming to me. Yeah. And I, I, I really made a mistake. I don't, I don't need vegetable dumplings like that. Would, that's just not on the <laughs> no, menu. Of so your guy or, or girl that moved to the Midwest and came back, yeah. that, I'm going to say it, that's delicious. That's something you don't see yeah. enough of. Is just, I say this all the time, but I want to say it to you. Um, there's a gaming design company that has a slogan they put it on the wall that says, fail faster. Yeah. And it's just like, just... S- failure's good. Yeah. F- you get so much data from failing. Just do it faster. Go and move. In fact, people should have failed faster outside of Austin yeah. before it became the hot spot of entertainment in the country. Well, the, the weird part was uh, when I was thinking about doing it, um, a, a bunch of people were telling me that I shouldn't do it. But I, 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 that wasn't super persuasive to me. But I, I was like, I'm going to call Tim Ferriss. Tim, if I shouldn't do it, Tim will have a very good reason why I shouldn't do it. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I think you should do it. And I was like, oh, this is very surprising to me. And, what? and he was like, how, he said, how are you going to know whether you like running a bookstore unless you've run a bookstore? Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's, he's like, so just You're like say, the movie you've he's like, got don't mail? say I'm doing it forever. <laughs> yeah. Just say, I'm going to try this thing. Yes. And if you see it as an experiment, then there is an outcome either way. And you're not like, your identity isn't tied to it has to work or it doesn't have to work. Mm. And that was actually his advice when I was thinking about starting a podcast. He's like, just do like 10. Say, I'm going to do 10. Mm. And then if you like doing it after 10, continue doing it. But if you don't, you have an out. You just said a mouthful, or, or you, Tim did, and you're saying the same thing, which is like when you tie your identity to the thing, it in your mind, I think it becomes life or death. Yeah. It's like if you say, I am a success, and then you fail, it, then you're humiliated. Yeah. If you say, I'm an adventurer, I'm a fucking hobbit. Yeah. I open bookstores. I mean, I have to think it's not a prudent you know, I don't think a business investor would be like bookstore. Yeah, yeah, no. Ryan, it's certainly not a get I rich. I see your quick name scheme. written in gold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, tell me, what did you just say? It's certainly not a get rich quick scheme. Like right. it's like a terrible idea. But you but, love bookstores, like yeah. me. And and I did it in a way that it wasn't. It, it was easier than maybe people would think it would be, and it's worked. It's actually been amazing. And like, mm. yeah, my kid goes to school down the street, and like, what's it it's called? My Give office, it a uh, the Painted Porch. It's in yeah, Bastrop, Texas. Edit that out, edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> the Painted Porch. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, saw you put up some wonderful uh, solidarity stuff during the 
reproductive marches and all yes. that stuff. I thought that was really cool. And no, and it's it's actually really cool because it's like it's because I'm not doing it because I wanted to make a lot of money and just do whatever I want. And I don't have to like yeah. I have a lot of empathy for all the other businesses on the street who are like, um, yeah, if we ask people to wear a mask during a pandemic, they won't come in. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want people to come in. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, people coming in is a mild inconvenience. And so uh, like I get to make I get to make that. But if you think that's actually been helpful for me, too, it's like very rarely am I doing the thing for financial reasons. Right. So then it should make it easier to do the right thing when it costs you money because you already decided mm. that you weren't doing it for financial reasons. But if you don't have that clarity, then you default to the financial reasons. We're back to what we're saying. It's it's what if the theater blows up at the end of the show? Yeah, it's like just do it. Yeah, just do it for its own sake. You're not keeping anything in reserve or not right. trying to upset like this person or that person. If you're like, well, I fucking hate this person and I think they suck. I don't want to tell them though because like, yeah, uh, that would hurt my chances for some other thing. You're talking about liberation. It's funny. Yeah. You're, you're talking about it in a business way. But spaciousness, inner spaciousness is huge. I was just doing a podcast this morning. I was on my friend Andrew Michon's podcast, a podcast but outside. Have you heard of it? Edit that out. It was uh, outside? It was outside. Was it walking or what? You, just you sit outside? at a table and you talk to the people that come by. It was fun. Like strangers? Yeah, strangers. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to blank on what I was saying. What were we You're talking about? recording this podcast? This podcast? No, no, that podcast. Are we doing this one, though? I think so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> doing it for its own sake. Oh, you realize, for, I forget why I brought that up, but like when you're not spacious, you, you have all these bumpers. It's like operation. It's like when I started doing a certain, if you do a commercial campaign, well, there's a brand you can't slander. You know oh, what sure. I mean? I'm not saying you, oh, that's why I brought up Andrew Michon. At the end of it, somebody made a very offensive little joke just to me. I had never met them before. Sometimes this happens as a comedian. They just want to say the weird thing because they know you're a comedian yeah. and you'll be fine. And I was like, that's cool. That's that's a type of, I don't care if you come to my store or not. Yeah. Like you can't, I'm not saying you can't offend me. I'm sure there's something you could say that would offend me. But like for the most part, you can just say something untoward and I just, I'm just going to laugh. And that's, I like that yeah. quality of being a comedian. So you're bringing that, forget about business. It's a spacious thing to be able to be like, I don't care. Yeah. You don't want to be beholden. How many masters do you have? Yeah. And well, can we whittle that number down? Because <laughs> people, customers think it's like, oh, the customer's always right. But like, yes. that's only true if you have leverage over the business owner, yeah. right? Yeah. And if, the, if you don't. Yes. But I think people think like, they're like, I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm not going to do, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to get whatever. But then when I'm more successful, then of course, like I'll be able to be more free. I'll have yeah. that spaciousness. But the, actually the opposite is true because when early on you could have done whatever you wanted because it wouldn't cost anything. And now you're like, okay, but if I piss this person off, it, you, there's a, a, a monetizable amount. And I was actually just, um, I don't know her name. So this is the catastrophe shitty, of yes, success. Yeah. You think it would be freeing, but it's actually constraining. I was reading some piece, um, you know, like the AT&T girl, she's like in all yeah. the AT&T commercials. Yeah. I don't know her name, but I'm sure she made a, makes an absolute fortune. There's so many commercials. But I was reading some piece and she's just like talking about an abortion that she had. And I was like, they could not want her to be talking about. So whatever you think about pro right. uh, about about abortion, like I was just struck by the courage yeah. of like the ordinariness of like she and she's not like an actress or an actor in the sense that like 
your fault like she's making her money based on like her fans like yeah her if like the five people that make that decision at at&t decide that's right like we don't want that heat like that 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 gravy train that's is right. over that's right and at the same time they're like there I, I read the story once about lyndon johnson he's uh becomes president he's trying to, to lyndon b johnson yes the, yes yes <laughs> Sorry, I just Lyndon know Baines Lyndon, Johnson. Lyndon Johnson. Um, he has a barbershop. Uh, uh, he he. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a actually I have a barbershop. It's not. A, it's a Carter story, not Lyndon Johnson story. But anyways, he um he goes. Uh, he starts doing this civil rights legislation, and they go. I, I think this would be better to wait till the second term or something. And he goes, Oh, what the hell's the presidency for? And the point is, like, what do you have it for? That's right. If you're not going to use it for that thing, Val and I just did a podcast, and for some reason, I was just a little more timid. And I caught myself not wanting. I, I some joke about Joe Rogan, yeah. and Joe Rogan is huge. Yeah, it wasn't even mean. It was just yeah. kind of like pointing out that he shoots his own food or something. Yeah. And then there was something else that came up, and something came over me where I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? Yeah, make fun of Joe Rogan. Make fun, like just do it. Like, what is the point yeah. of being a clown if you're not going to clown around? Yeah." And the reality is he probably doesn't care at he all. He wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. I just told you the whole thing about <laughs> yeah. being a commit. And it wasn't me. Anyway, let's go to the mid-roll, speaking of all these ads and stuff, and we'll be right back. And then I w- I'm going to ask Ryan about ghosts, psychics, and unexplainable weird things that I don't think we've ever talked about before. Right. So we'll be right back to talk about really weird stuff. Pardon the interruption, weirdos. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Next Evo Naturals. As you guys know, I love CBD, but not all CBD brands are created equal. And if you've ever taken it and wonder, is this even absorbing or is this ever going to kick in? Is it going to be fast acting? I mean, that's a problem. If you've ever wondered whether or not your CBD was working, that means it probably wasn't. But Next Evo Naturals developed Smart Sorb technology. Sounds like something I would say is a joke. Is that Smart Sorb? It's Smart Sorb. Smart Sorb technology, clinically proven to help your body absorb CBD four times better than regular CBD oil because oil doesn't just mix with your water-based body. It works faster too, and when you feel stress coming on, you won't waste time wondering, is this doing anything? Is this working? I just had my parents visit and my next Evo samples came in. I was so excited to try all of their different products, but they're stress gummies that have adaptogens and this Smart Sorb CBD in it was an absolute lifesaver. Now I don't just take it when I'm stressed out during that visit. I actually take it every day as a part of my daily maintenance to keep things even and keep things just a little bit rounder on the edges. That's what I like to think that this that Next Evo does is it just smooths out the edges of your stress and, and helps you ease into your day. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Smart Sorb technology obviously is changing my relationship with CBD. It improves CBD's ability to be absorbed. That's a key thing. Getting into your system in as little as 10 minutes. Most CBD oil found in tinctures, gummies, and capsules achieve uh, between 2% and 10% absorption, which means more than 90% of what you think you're getting is actually being wasted. That's why Next Evo Naturals is here to save the day. They're scientifically formulated to deliver more CBD in a way your body can actually use and fast. Proven 29 29 times better absorption in the first 
30 minutes. So help fight stress with Next Evo Naturals Stress CBD Complex with Ashwagandha, clinically proven to reduce stress by 70%. I can attest to that. This was what saved my butt this whole uh, past month, to be honest. Ashwagandha and CBD are a powerful combo working together to target the source of rising stress hormones like cortisol. Next Evo is the only brand that combines a patented natural whole plant ashwagandha that's eight times more powerful than regular ashwagandha. Uganda, and their 100% U.S. hemp-derived smart, smart Sorb CBD is four times better absorption than standard CBD. So this is the next level, guys. This is the one to try. If you've been dragging your feet on the CBD train, Next Evo Naturals is the one to do. Get to the root of stress and with the stress CBD complex from Next Evo Naturals, for up to 25% off subscription or orders of $40 or more, use promo code WEIRD at nextevo.com. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com. Promo code WEIRD and show your support of this show. We're also brought to us by our friends at Adam and Eve. Listen up, guys, girls, everybody. Who wants better sex? That's everybody. The best way to get started is to go to adamandeve.com right now. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item. And more than that, Adam and Eve wants to make your life easy. They're offering discreet shipping as your privacy is a priority, plus free shipping on your entire order. That's free and discreet shipping. doesn't matter how much you spend or what you buy. All will be packaged and sent discreetly for free. So bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous toy or just about anything you desire. Just enter code WEIRD at checkout and you'll receive 50% off almost any item. And when you do, you'll also get free shipping off your entire order. And when you offer, sorry, when you enter offer code WEIRD. That's W-E-I-R-D at adamandeve.com. WEIRD. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use this code WEIRD to get not just the discount, but also the 100% free shipping with code WEIRD. Thank you to Adam and Eve for your support of the show. All right, everybody, let's get back to Ryan Holiday. So do you have to do the ads in front of me right now? No way. Oh, okay. we're, we're already <laughs> so back. Weird. We're already back. So weird. In fact, that's the first thing you said after the No, on Corolla, he'll go like yeah, stamps.com. Well, he's like a tele there's the teleprompter in front of you, it's a whole thing. There's part of me that envies it because he has a team. You know that is like a streamline. I'm not looking yeah. to you, Katie, to be like, why don't we do that? I'm just saying that that's is a radio. staff. This that is, is a podcast. someone ha- he yes. doesn't even know what the ad is for. <laughs> and he's just like, nah, apparently I love stamps.com. And he just does it in front of the guest. <laughs> and I just sit there like a schmuck. Ooh. Do you ever do a podcast and they do your intro in front of you? That's oh, the worst. Yeah. I, I don't like the worst. it. Nobody wants to I've never done it. that in person one where they do that, but it's like, I don't need to hear this. Yeah, but when you do speaking events and stuff, if people oh, are like, this guy's a genius, <laughs> don't. Don't do it. It's Don't not say that. It's not no one. It's not important at all. Just let me. Just let me go up there and do the thing. I completely. But it can hurt if they're just like this guy is one of the most gifted speakers. Or if they say about like this is a comedy legend, and then they're like, no one knows who I am when I come out. It's like oh. I think we would I see a, him. I had a super bad version of that recently. Like uh, because of the intro thing, the the they play a video before I talk usually. Like a video is like some news clips or whatever, and um, I gave a talk. They don't always play the video, um, and they were like, 
And today our speaker is Ryan Holland. And get up there. And then they played the video as I stood there. Oh. And I, I had to. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just playing over your huge. Just I had Ryan to Holiday, one of the big, <laughs> fastest growing talent. I want a bookstore. I want you to wear a mask. Oh, like, it's you know, the worst. It was yeah. so bad. Yeah, it was it's the so opposite. Bad. There's a reason. Show business. It's a yeah. show. Yeah. Let's do it like a show. <laughs> well, the corp, like, yeah, you're like, oh, I had to do the corporate gig, and that's like different. All my gigs are corporate gigs. Yeah. Right? Like, which is nice because the audience isn't my problem. Like, I don't have to bring the audience. If I, if I show up at a thing and there's no seats, it's like, obviously, I'm empathetic to the host, but that's a them problem. Like yeah. I was paid to talk at your thing. You had to bring the people there. That's or, right. Or all the, all the employees had to come. It's your thing. I, that's so, but the flip side of that is that, uh, they're not actually there for you at all, but well, with comedy, they're not there for you either. Like usually you're in the, like the one I did, by the way, it wasn't like a catastrophe. It just wasn't what I'm used to. Yeah. Like laughs all the time. It was like sporadic laughs. Oh, that's what you're used to? Just always laughing. No, not always, but at least when you go like, and let me tell you, that was a big old booty and no one laughs and you're just like. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling when everyone knows what you're going for and it's not happening. Yeah, and sure. you could tell them that it's like it's noon and we're in the middle of a corporate award show. Yeah, nobody understands. Yeah, sorry. This is one last thing on that. Comedy clubs work on the idea that the audience is primed. Yeah, to be a comedy audience. Yeah, sure. but if it's just a thing that's happening already. Yeah, and then you come in as like the the other type of blood cell, and you're just like, hey. <laughs> I've said this before, but the feeling from the crowd was, why are you telling us this? Sure. I'm like, my wife and I, like, they're just like, we don't understand why you think we care. At a comedy club, you can say anything because they're like, we bought a ticket to hear about the comedians. The the weirder one for me will be like, the CEO is a huge fan. Yeah. And then they, because of the CEO, they got to pick who comes to the company retreat. Yeah. And so it's like, you're really, they're for one person that's right and then everyone else is like why are we here an audience and, one yeah yeah and then uh they're eating it up and then these other people are just like what is that and but they it's their business it's yeah, their name yeah. is on the on the- you only have to please that one person yeah yeah which i've done the opposite i've done shows like that and i like roast the ceo a little yeah. bit and everyone loves it and i'm like i don't know if i played that the smartest <laughs> i could have played because it's not Joe in sales that goes, you know who we should have? It was the CEO. But actually, that company ended up having me back, so it was all good. What about this? Have you ever almost died? Have I ever almost died? Uh, I don't think so. Come on. You were a kid and the riptide took you. That time you were sleepy at the wheel. I mean, I'm sure there's been things like that, but they haven't stuck with me where I'm like, that was a near-death experience. Oh, really? Yeah, I tend to just... Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Keep Have you? Moving. Oh, yeah. When I remember when I was a kid, I was walking on... Nobody's ever turned around on me, actually. I was walking on the beach with my dad, and it was one of those times where just like out of nowhere, a huge wave... Oh, rogue wave. ...came and hit us. And he said he gripped onto me for dear life. Uh, so, you know, you take take, yeah. take the good with the 30 dump, 36 dumplings, <laughs> and he held He's on. He's been calling in that favor for a long time. <laughs> See, the weird thing is that he saw that as like, now you owe me. (laughs) But he held on to me. And when he said when the wave cleared, I just was Marvel's The Sandman. Like I was head to toe. You couldn't even see me. And I remember 
going to the shower and like washing it off and everybody was staring at me. That that was what I, re- I don't really remember very much about getting hit by the wave, but I remember everybody in the men's room being like, what happened to the, because it looked like someone had like cemented me basically. So yeah, wow, I almost croaked there. And there are other times when I was little, I remember confidence being like a tricky cocktail for a child. Yeah. I feel like I was an invincible boy. There were times when I would be watching the traffic pattern and I was like, if you just run real fast now, you could make it. You know, like, yeah, and that is true. Yeah. But uh, hold your kid's hand is all of Because my dad, again, in that situation, was holding my hand. I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, he, you were starting to go for it? Yeah, because I wanted to impress him. I was like, he's waiting for like it to be really clear, yeah, like boring clear. And I'm like, I know how to do this. Just go now. So there's two that that come to mind. Plus, I you know I went to the Amazon and stuff, and like eating weird things, and like I was probably inches from tarantulas constantly, and just like strange poisonous spiders. Yeah, no, it was. we would walk into the river. They told us not to, and we would walk into the river because we didn't want to wait for a canoe to canoe us out to where we would bathe and would just walk through. And I think the reason why they were like, I think that was the bathroom. I think we were walking through like the village toilet. <laughs> so you could have died of like cholera or something? Absolutely. And they were they were warning us like, don't pee in the river because there are bugs that'll swim up the stream of your pee. How old were you when you were just ignoring this pretty 17. basic safety advice? Yeah. And we would go in, and me and Carl, he was a little butterball, pale kid, and uh, he looked like Dennis the Menace, would walk in and would just go sealing it, meaning pressing our butt cheeks together, as if that would prevent... Oh, sealing it. Got it, got it, got it. Seal it, seal it, tight tight butt, tight butt, (laughs) tight butt. So yeah, that's about 28 28 times uh, that come to mind that I almost died. Let me ask you this, kind of going back to the Ohio outside of Austin thing, are you still enjoying it? Because I remember when I told you, do you remember this? I was like, we're going to Ohio, and you were like, your daughter will love it. And I remember being like, is he fucking with me? (laughs) Like, yeah, man. Like, you thought, like, your daughter will like it it. and you'll hate it? Yeah, I thought maybe you were hinting at, like, look, take it from a guy who's been under an apple tree for too Uh, long. I see what you're saying. No, no, our kid, like, we we ended up having to get a house in town in the little town that the bookstore is also because our kids are like wild animals. Yeah, like because three year <laughs> like because of the, already growing up on the farm and then growing up on the farm during the pandemic they were just like yeah they're like we we went over to someone's house like a couple we we now have to have discussions especially when we took them on a plane where it's like this is a place where you pee in the bathroom like. Uh, oh <laughs> this is a place God. you have to wear clothes. This isn't a pale, <laughs> naked place. Yeah. You need to pee in the toilet. The toilet. And then, no, they're like, are you sure? Like, it, this is like Dude. a thing because they're just used to just doing whatever they want, wherever they want. My daughter is a little bit that way. Yeah. She at least asks. She goes, can I go poop here? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's part of me that's like, Look, the poop times, the poop on the lawn times. I actually have a, this is going to sound fake. I have a fond memory of taking a poop on the lawn once. And I was just like, that's it, man. Talk about liberty and Here, spaciousness. at this house? Yeah, it was earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very fond memory. No, as, as like a little, as a little kid who, uh, I called myself the naked cowboy and I'd wear my gun belts, but nothing else. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a log on the lawn. Um, so, we're we're almost done. I, I know you're probably doing a lot of press. Why don't we talk explicitly about uh, the new book? I don't, I don't have to be anywhere until five. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, just hit. Let's let's still yeah. let's talk about the the new book. Uh, Discipline is destiny. Destiny. Because so courage is calling is the first one. Because the cardinal virtues are courage, temperance, justice, wisdom. So and temperance is, is. I decided to write about discipline because I think temperance one just as a concept it seems somewhat limiting. Yeah. But two, what they meant by temperance was like Marcus Aurelius in Meditations says discipline more often than he says temperance because I think temperance is like what's the right amount of a thing which is important you have to know what the right amount of a thing is but like I know what the right amount of things are that's the easy part yeah it's like doing them is the hard part like, right th- that's what requires it's the like self-discipline. my doctor just was like you you I did a brain scan there like you should exercise cardio 45 minutes, five times a week. They found That's what from I your sh- brain scan that you need more cardio? Yeah, because uh, this shot, Katie and I were just talking about this. I got my brain scan for ADHD. That I hope your brain is fat. <laughs> What's that? Your brain is fat. <laughs> Actually, your brain is mostly fat. That's just that's just true. No, I'm but, saying you have an overweight brain. They're like you just <laughs> exercise. Hilarious. Would like to see you get that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the part of my brain that is depressed, like they were like, this is this part that would light up if you were depressed. And I'm not depressed, or I should say, I don't experience depression. Yeah. But they're like looking at your brain. You, the area that is d- associated with depression is like really lit up. They're like to ward that off. You should exercise. Huh. They said 45 minutes, five times a week, cardio. And then they said, this I thought was very interesting, that Prozac and exercise five times a week are uh, indistinguishable chemically. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Do you have a pool at your place in Ohio? We do have a pool. Are you a swim, you swim? swim? I, I, I think swimming... We were just talking about this. Swimming is, I think, the especially if you're not someone that likes exercise, I think is the most magical form of exercise. Tell me everything. No screens. Yes. Uh, they're like if you've ever been in a like a sensory deprivation tank of course swimming is a version of that i mean there's more senses going on but like you're, you're weightless you're weightless you can't hear you you're seeing you can only see like directly in front of you because of how you're looking and you're you just get in this zone i think it's very magical yeah and how because i just sent myself an email i'll show you not that you don't believe me <laughs> But I wrote, just try swimming with a timer, because I don't like counting laps. I find that monotonous. So if you get the Apple Watch... That's what she said. You can pick the length. I actually... I, it, I've, I used to swim, but the, the, the part of my brain that was thinking about counting laps, and then, did I mess up? Did I cut myself short? Am I, that was too much. So this... You just check every once in a while, and you're like, oh, okay, I've done... I've got 15 more laps or whatever. I like that it a lot. It counts the laps? It counts the laps for you. If The only flaw is it does not count kickboard laps. She just said this. Oh, it does. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, it, it, it steals your kickboard laps, which is the only... You're only doing the exercise for the fake uh, digital points anyway, obviously. We were just talking about this. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Literally the same conversation. But you find it to be... Because I got to do it. it yeah. It's like a long pool. Yeah. So you could get like a satisfying... Yeah, like the pool, at, the pool at my house is like the most first... It's only nine yards. And so like it... It, back and forth it's too much but it's pump. swimming is the best yeah okay i'm, I'm definitely going to give it a whirl um where were we exercise do you remember oh uh, brain scan yeah depression about why you need to exercise that's why right. i need to exercise and then yeah. we're talking about discipline or something i don't know yeah so i know yeah thank yes. you oh yeah knowing you're what you should you're do now hosting and, then, the and, then, and then doing i it. know yeah. that's what i'm supposed sure. to do but how am i supposed to do that yeah exactly for me it's usually the opposite it's like i love to run and swim and I, I, I want to do some form of strenuous exercise every day. 
if I'm like not feeling well or if I'm tired or if like I haven't eaten or whatever, it's harder for me to be like, that is a bad idea. You should rest today. Like yeah. the load management thing. All, all the chapters in my books are almost always mostly the things I'm talking about myself. But yeah, like to not do it because it's a bad idea and that uh, it, it, the restraint to be like, hey, I'm going to do this this way. That's harder for me. But I'm the opposite. It seems like a humble brag, though. Like, oh, my thing no, is, no. I just work too hard. Yeah, exactly. But it, I'm a it, perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, I just care so much. <laughs> Knowing when it, to go home—that's my biggest flaw. <laughs> like, it's hard. I lose track of time. Just get um, in a flow state working here. No, yeah. I think you would like swimming, though. It's it's yeah. it's very magical, and it's like super good exercise, also. But it's and good mental health, clearly. Yes. And Although you don't get sore. Katie just told me you don't get sore when you swim. Is it, or yeah. do you get sore? No, not really. Um, no, it's, it's really good. And then it, it, I get, it, it's, it's meditative too, because like, you're just, there's, there's, you're not like on a run. You're like, Oh, what's that? Where am I? You're just right. like, you, it forces you to zone out very quickly. That's why I'm thinking if I do it with a timer, sorry if this is a snooze everybody, but it's almost done doing it with a timer <laughs> and not counting. Cause I don't like counting laps. I'm going like one, two, three. It, it brings a, the other side of my brain in to yeah. be honest. But if there's just a timer going, absolutely love it. And that and uh, cold therapy, which everybody knows. I'm yes, I was going to thank you. I got uh, that did, cold plunge. You did? They, they sent me one. And, oh, cool. Uh, I, I've only used it like four or five times because it just came. But uh, I love it. It's Isn't amazing. it amazing? Yeah. It it's totally also, shocks. It, it, it's so like, you're talking about being present. It forces you to be present. That's what I call yes. it. Forced meditation. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. Sorry, Katie. I'm so embarrassing. I get all lit up about this. But you can't do it if you're not present. Yeah. And you can't do it if not only do you have to be present, but you have to be positive present. Meaning you have to you have to remember to smile. You have to hold the word yes in sure. your mind. All of this stuff. And that's how you started your day. Like, come on. Right, because if you're sitting in there and you're like, this is awful, this is awful, you're this out. is awful, you'll it take, or you'll get out, or it just makes the time go slower. It's the worst. So you have to be like... Exactly right yeah. where you are. Um, what was I going to tell you? The other What's thing... What's the company? It's Plunge? Right? Yeah, it's thecoldplunge.com yeah. slash weird, I believe, for a, or weird at checkout. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that. Shocking the system, overriding it, resetting your day, too, is another big reason why I do it. But anyway, before I do a talk, uh, now that I have the cold punch, I'll do it. Before I do a talk, like cold shower. shower, I do the shower, like the last part of it. To me, it's like the one, it's the like, I'm in charge yep. of the cranking it. Yeah. And then it's the, you just feel different when you step out of it. That's old Timmy Ferris. Timmy Ferris, when, when I did, um, I had to do two weeks alone in an apartment in Montreal um, for home alone. So I was alone, I was alone for two weeks. And I, I, did, I listened to a lot of Tim Ferriss, and, and he said, if you don't do a cold shower in the morning, every time, I don't know if this is true, but he was like, if you do it, all you'll see are solutions, and if you don't do it, all you'll see are problems. That's and I, right. And he thought there was something neurological and physiological to that. And, and it's what you're saying. It's electing to do something you don't want to do, and especially in the morning. Oh, this is what I was going to tell you. It's the best learning curve thing ever, meaning... You just got it, right? Yeah. So I don't, let's not um, macho each other, but I'm just saying when I started, I started at 60 because that's as high as it yeah. can be and still get Oh, 60 benefits. degrees. 60 degrees. Okay. And then you do 60 and it's brutal. Then the next day you do 60 and it's okay. Then the third day you do 60 and it's too warm and you start lowering it. Yeah. 
we just moved, as you know, and mine is at 30, 39 now, which is as low as it goes. So the first time I got in at 39, I got in the water, 40 seconds I was out. I yeah. had to get out. Sure. Like I literally was like, I don't know how I ever did that. Next day, uh, two minutes. It was fun. Like what I'm saying is if you want the feeling of getting better at something, cold exposure is like is the way to go because your body just multiple you can either crank the temperature or the time yes and so you have multiple notches to make it harder or that's right yourself. but you you can see exercise that way that's why people like exercising is that right you look yeah you're like how fast did i do the swim how many laps did i do yeah this is what this is why weightlifting is so addicting for people because it's so numbers based like yeah how many sets yeah what, what's my pr but for running it's like yeah, how far did you go? Yes. You know, it's, it's I hear you. that. I, have we talked? I don't think we have. I, I just got a tonal. Do you know what a tonal is? That's the screen that it's you work on. the screen with of? the arms, yeah, yeah. The screen with the arms. So I've been wor- doing weightlifting almost every day now. And I'm telling you, Val and I were laughing. I got like a vein in my bicep. I'm not going to show it to you. I've never been a vein bicep guy. You have veins in your bicep, don't you? Okay. You son of a bitch. But anyway... I also find myself, everybody knows I'm going to say this, but I want to hear what you have to say. Upping my testosterone has the biggest and most noticeable effect on my personality. Sure. More than anything. More than too much coffee, more than I didn't eat lunch. I become like very, like, just do it, like decisive and a little bit shorter tempered. And it's all just because of this jack in testosterone from lifting weights. Have you noticed that? Uh, I haven't like started doing it. Yeah, you'd have to have just started. Yeah, this um, is new data for yeah. me. Yeah, but I'm but you're that, you're shocking the system and you're feeling the benefits of. The, so you're and you're old enough to be able to perceive it and notice it. That's right. Whereas like if you have just been doing it since you were a kid, you're just like this is life. That's right. I feel it when I don't do it though. Like I I can go like only a couple days and then it feels like everything's falling apart. Well, that's why I wonder if Tom Brady. They were saying that a lot of athletes, when they retire, fall into depression. Yeah. And it's because they stopped. It's not because they missed the game, necessarily. It's because they stopped exercising. Yeah. Because we're back to the beginning of our conversation. What was their why? Have When I was doing How We Roll, I was running every morning, cold, and, and all these things, intermittent fasting, just the, because you had this reason. Sure. Some people, Because it was the reason away, was how I look on camera? No, how I oh. feel. Oh. How I feel. How I look is, is on there. Actually, those are my le- reasons on that poster right there. It's, it says Leela, Val. I think that's like live. Yeah, like be alive. For oh, those Val. are your those are your sort of heart. Words. Like heart. Oh, that's good. Heart health yeah. is interesting to me. Like I really don't want my heart to just be like. It's pretty Fuck important. You. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty important. Yeah, tell that to like ninety percent. It sounds so obvious, yeah. but tell that to everyone I know growing up. Uh, yeah. And look, yeah, and life. Look is vanity. Sure. Yeah. So tell me, tell me something from the book that is a little bit in the in the discipline. Maybe not a hack, but something that you learned putting it together that maybe that people would enjoy when it comes to applying. I think my fa- my favorite story in the book is um, I I got really into Jimmy Carter when I was writing it, uh-huh. and uh, it, there's this story. He he so he goes to the Naval Academy. He's this sort of like uh, you know like hot upstart kid he comes from the small town in in georgia and he goes to the naval academy he graduates 
uh, and then he, he wants to get in the nuclear submarine service, which at that time you had to be interviewed by this guy named Admiral Rickover, who was the sort of most exacting, like, uh, like brilliant guy. And he basically invents the nuclear Navy is fascinating character. He would personally interview everyone who would serve on a nuclear submarine. So he interviews, uh, Carter. It's like this three hour interview. They talk about everything, you know, he quizzes him on literature and physics and military strategy and all this stuff. And, um, he uh, at, he goes, so how did you do in the Naval Academy? And he goes, um, I was like, you know, 58th in my class of 800 or something. And he like expects Rickover to be like impressed. And Rickover has, of course, interviewed everyone, probably the other 50 people in that said class and every class for like 50 years. Yeah. And he goes, oh, but did you always do your best? And Carter sort of instinctively is going to be like, yeah, of course. And then he, for some reason, he, he like doesn't. And he kind of thinks about it for a second. He's like, well, you know, sometimes, he's like thinking to himself, you know, sometimes like I coasted or I didn't ask for extra credit. Or I didn't, whatever. And he goes, you know what? No, I don't think I always did my best. And um, Rickover <laughs> just goes, why not? And then he gets up and he leaves the room. Jimmy Carter does? No, Rickover leaves the oh, room. He says, why not? It would and he be leaves a the room. cooler story that would be Jimmy a- Carter was like, you know what? Fuck you. And just left. So yeah, he just says, why not? And then that question haunts him for the rest of his life. Um, he's like that. If you're going to do a thing, are you yeah. going to, so to, to me, best and presence is also similar. Like, why are you phoning it in? Why are you thinking like, Oh, I'll, I'll do it half later, you know? Like, and so this question of like, did you always do your best is mm. to me a really interesting one. And I think it, it, it takes discipline, right? Like if you think about like, if you're good at what you do, you can, 70% is often enough. Hmm. Right? Like you can you could you can half ass it, you can coast. You you figure like when I'm writing a book <clears throat> there's things I know I can do to make the book easier. Am I going to do that or am I going to you know what I'm saying? Like there's make writing cr- the book easier. Yeah, or or I'm like I'm sure on stage there's things there's easy laughs you know you can do mm-hmm. or are you going to but is that like actually like hard for you? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think the, the idea of like I'm I'm always going to show up. I'm always going to do my best. I don't know. That that was a story that stuck with me. Like thinking through the book, it was really interesting. And then I've just become totally fascinated with him as a person. I wonder. Yeah, he's supposed to be a sweetheart too. Um, I, that's my contribution. He's supposed to be real nice, sweet as a lollipop. I wonder what what is the intolerable feeling of doing your best. Is it the vulnerability that maybe you'll do your best and fail? Yeah. I think it's earnest. It's there being earnest is the vulnerable because then if you care and then someone else says like you suck or doesn't like it, or what if your best is not good enough? Yeah. Right. What? So if you did your best and you were first in your class, it's worked out for you. Yeah. What if you did your best and then you're 50th in your class? Yeah. Like you're, there's 49 people better than you. Yeah. But so you have to decide, like, what race are you running? Like, are you running a race against everyone else, or are you running a race against yourself? Hmm. And then, so I, I think I think it's the vulnerability of it for sure. It's it's. I remember Robert Greene actually said this to me once. He was saying that teenagers are like simultaneously rebellious and lackadaisical. So you're you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care about that. So then you don't have to try mm-hmm. and because if you're like, follow the instructions, stick with the thing and then try and then it doesn't work out, that challenges your sense of who you are. Mm. I think that's really hard. So uh, to me, mm-hmm. the, it's it's scary to like 
I, I think, and generationally, I think this is why irony and stuff are so popular because it's a defense shield against like, who did you read that New York Times piece? I I, did, I never watched Succession, but who's like the who's the main character? Did you watch Succession? No, no, no the the one Logan. that I, the one that people don't like. Um, Kendall. Kendall. Kendall Roy. Yes, yeah, a right? method actor. Yes, yes, yeah. and that that piece that was like basically like sort of sub making fun of him for like actually caring about his work. Wow, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, they're like, what a douche! Like this guy, Buddy. like cares. As opposed to a lot of modern stars, that so much of their appeal, I would say, like Bo Burnham is like the glaring example the antithesis of this like he cares yeah he's doing it he's running his he's racing himself so clearly but Bo and i actually talk about this a lot of people his age the not just the wrapping paper the product itself is i don't care yeah and people are like drawn to that because earnestness i'm sure you've heard this but the importance of being earnest oscar wilde's play everyone was naming their child Ernest and the quality of earnestness was so ubiquitous that he was satirizing how we had become obsessed with earnestness. Yeah. But here we are like the opposite of, of obsessed with earnestness. Like Mr. Rogers seems so yeah. extra. He's yes. cringe. Yeah. He is to be like, what if we were well, they, We even like, have all these words. Up, like, weirdo. Extra cringe. Extra and cringe are both. Yeah rebellions against earnestness and you're absolutely right the guy what is the guy who played kendall jeremy strong Strong. people were so mad at him because he was he was giving a shit yeah i remember hearing those stories that he's in a at some point he's he's dunked in water let's just say that (laughs) and and uh for those scenes he would pour ice cold water on himself not for a cold one but because he was method and that got written up as like what a sports nut or like what a nut yeah and it's like no, it worked. He did a good job. Well, there's uh, the internet expression is like, lol, nothing matters. You know, like, but to to be like, no, like, I care. Yeah. Like, this is important. Even though existentially it doesn't, you know, like, like but to, to actually like care mm. is, I think it's, it's hard and it's scary. And then to try and then to, to try and then both care and not care about the results. That's like, that's the tension, I think. I agree. And what we're talking about sounds conceptual, but it really is a feeling, too. The feeling of trying your best or putting yourself out there. I've told this story a million times, but Ted Danson was on a show and he does a scene. It would be like if we were talking and then I go over to Katie and I'm just like, how could you have done that? And then I come back to you and he goes, isn't acting embarrassing? And I was like, oh my God, that's the job. Yeah. The money or whatever, or what you're being hired to do is to be talking to a sound guy yeah. about living in Ojai. Yeah. And then go, how could you be? Like, that is so embarrassing. Yeah. It's actually kind of like sociopathic. Like, I'm yeah. going to go over there and cry now. That's what the money is for. It's get over. You're paid to speak places. Get over the weirdness. Yeah that you're being exalted as like a special person or you're writing books. Get over the weirdness of saying, you should actually hear my thoughts. <laughs> well, I've had to like, cause writing is, I think the more introverted of all the sort of entertainment related things. And it, I wouldn't say it's the most glamorous, but it's the least like having to put yourself out there. So it's kind of mythologized as this like, you know, it's like Hemingway, the typewriter yes. with the cigarette. Like it's just, it's cool because there's, it doesn't seem like you're exerting yourself very well, it's much. It's also done. It's like, I'm not going to change and be like, oh, I actually meant I did. 
did like no, no, my I dog. Just, I just mean the act of doing it. Oh, like, doing it. Like doing to go out and sing or dance, those are like, that's probably the most like put yourself out there of the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Whereas like writing is like uh, just typing and sitting there. Yes. Um, and uh, and so like you don't you don't have to do that if you don't want to. And yes. like watching now, you we exist in a world where social media is how people find out about things. And so to like have to like, like, I, for Daily Stoke, we do like I do like a TikTok and a Instagram reel like every day that I have to like sit in front of a camera and record, which is the opposite of writing, right? And it's like, but and there's a cringeness to it, but then it's also like if I care about this thing and I want people to hear about it, yeah. I have to think about the medium <laughs> that they're likely to hear about that thing in, mm-hmm. and that requires TikTok. No, yes, but <laughs> before to to do that, it requires you to be like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna take myself out of the very safe, like no risk universe, which is sitting and writing, and do this other thing. Hmm. Um, have you heard of the millennial pause? Mm-mm. Do you know what this? The millennial pause is it's like, like cap- anyone over a certain cap- age when you like sit to re- start to record. You like you hit record and then you wait for a second because like that's like how we've sort of grown up and like yeah. younger people just like start. And the millennial pause is like a very reveal. It like reveals how old you are. Like, what do you do? You hear recording. You go, "Hello, <laughs> yes, yes, yes exactly. oh my god!" <laughs> I had a camcorder that it was a feature. Yeah, was it would wait three seconds. You'd hit recording. Oh, go, sure. rrr, 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 yeah, and then gave you time to run into the shot. So that's the Gen X pause. Yeah, it's a longer pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The millennial pause. Let's just in closing here. Because I loved it. I know it's in the intro to the book, so it's kind of obvious maybe for me, or maybe it's cringe or extra. But like I loved and got a lot out of um the the Hercules story. Oh, Hercules. And maybe we could talk about that because there's there's a lot of because you know, at the end of the show we talk about we've been talking about it the whole time, religion and spirit and all that sort of stuff. And I think there's something essential to the origins of the universe and the meaning of life in the story. So that's why I saved it for here. Well, weirdly, that's also the founding story of Stoicism, which is that Zeno is this successful merchant, he suffers this shipwreck, he washes up in Athens, he has nothing, and he walks to a bookstore. Like 2,300 years ago, there were bookstores. He walks into this bookstore, and the owner of the bookstore is reading uh, Xenophon, uh, but he's reading... Xenophon is just Xenophon and Plato are the two people who write Socrates' stories. And he's reading Socrates telling the story of the choice of Hercules. No way. Yeah. And Zeno goes to him and he says, Where can I find someone like that? And that is what starts him on his journey towards philosophy. Wow. But the choice of Hercules is the story is Hercules as this young man is walking through the hills of Greece and he comes to this crossroads. The the, the road diverges like the Robert Frost poem. And I'm he not can... familiar. <laughs> Bobby Frost. You didn't, you didn't read this at your dentist's office on a poster? <laughs> it was right there, too. <laughs> oh, man. Why did I choose the path where I made a cleaning appointment? <laughs> he, he, uh, he can choose between two paths, but at each one, there is a goddess. And one goddess promises him everything he wants and a life of ease and pleasure and, and all the sort of soft things in life. And the other says, this will be a harder path and it'll challenge you more and there'll be risks and this is sacrifice sacrifice and and yeah and and all the virtues like can you know restraint and self-discipline and courage and it's it's you can have everything you want you can work for it you know what which are you going to choose and he famously chooses 
the path of virtue. This is the so the Herculean crossroads or the choice of Hercules is that. And I think even to go over like the choice to do your best or not do your best, like that, that it's all this sort of Herculean. It's mm. all those crossroads moments, like where you what are you going to do, the hard thing or the easy thing, mm. and or the road less traveled or you know the road well traveled, like. Uh, it makes all the difference, right? Which one are you going to choose? I'm not familiar. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, where I went with that, too, is that isn't that... Let, let, let's anthropomorphize and say there is a God, and yeah. it's like you and I. It's, a, it's a, a mind and a body, and it's floating in infinity. Didn't God choose the second path, too? You know what I mean? When I was little, I was like... If heaven, I, I don't believe this is the case anymore, but there's heaven and hell, and what you do determines where you go. Um, if that's true and God loves us, why not just start in heaven? Sure. Like, why not just birth souls into paradise? That's kind of what that question is saying. This is why I'm drawn to a lot of, there's a lot of music. It's surprisingly, a lot of it is pop music um, that I find very edifying. There's a song on the Sing 2 soundtrack where she goes, I want to feel love and pain. I want to feel pride and shame. This is probably like a huge yeah. pop song and everyone's laughing at how cringe and extra I'm being right now. But I'm just saying like... <laughs> By earnestly saying that you like a song from that's a right. children's but movie? Probably not, yes. But it's also a pop song. Yeah. It, what I'm saying is the embarrassment is if it's Shakira or something yeah. and everyone's like, how do you not know that? But it's like, I'm really drawn to music like that that talks about our either unconscious that we can make conscious, but our desire... We want to feel shame. We want to feel pain. We want to do it wrong. We don't in the moment, but like we were saying, we look back and we go, it was the delayed flight that was the story. But my point is God, let's let's presuppose a God or imagine a God that could do anything and could have, like the Matrix, created a reality where everything is soft and easy. Clearly that, if this, if this God exists, didn't choose that. It chose the one where fucked up shit is constantly happening kind of like hercules chose i'll take the fucked up path well certainly jesus picks the harder path right like he could have yes. just eaten an apple and said like all your sins are forgiven yes <laughs> he was like no i'll do the crucifixion option he did yeah right he could have kept his mouth shut yeah he i mean i'm not even trying to be funny it's like he was tiktoking it he's like i gotta go to yes that's, go to that's what i'm Jerusalem. doing yeah. yes yeah but i mean like what a pain in the ass sure. he was also meeting people where they were constantly mm -hmm. imagine being a realized being and you have to be like by the way a realized being two thousand years ago and someone's like no teeth and a bird is eating one of their eyes what should we do and you have to be like um it's sort of like a lost coin, you know, like, like right, you he could have just said what he fucking meant instead he has to tell him a riddle. Has to. Yeah. What I'm saying is these people were mostly illiterate. He was probably illiterate. Like there wasn't like a lot of resources going around. So you're like, Jesus's stories are very simple. And there's a reason because the people he was talking to, some of them were on fire, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally ablaze. I think going to the do your best thing. I, I also think that's what the parable of the talents is about. Hmm. Right, like you sort of have these gifts, or you be given this thing. Do you yeah. increase it? Do you make it into a thing? The three servants are given talents by their master. One buries them. I yeah. always relate to that guy. Yeah, the scared guy. It's kind of not a. It should be they eat all three of them do something different, but it's like one buries them and then and one the other two. One gets some money and then the other gets like a lot, a lot of, money of money out of it. Yeah. It's like not a perfect story. I'm pretty um, sure it ends with him beating the guy. 
Yeah, and also they're not servants. They're obviously slaves. Slaves, yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, we it's just a, like don't want to... <laughs> let's just change the name and then we won't have to think about it. Honestly, I think there, there's a possibility of like a 5,000 years in the future and they're like, yeah, they were they were cutting cows' heads off and eating their flesh. <laughs> like there's yeah. like barbaric things going on constantly. Yes, yes. That, no, I'm not, I'm not pa- giving a pass at all. Fucked up shit. Fucked up shit. Um, but anyways, I think the, the idea is that you have these... I think it's, it's a, a wonderful sort of... Uh, fortuitous circumstance that talent a unit of money then is also how we now think of like right. skill yeah and so it's like you you've been given this talent and what do you do with it yeah. you know do you take the easy way and sort of coast on it or do you like make it what it is meant to be that's interesting i you know there's different altitudes i think that jesus is teaching on that seems like a practical that's a tim ferris that's a life hack you know what i mean he's like you have this opportunity yeah. Use it, spend it, risk it. Right. But then he, my favorite of, of Jesus' stories are the ones where, like, uh, he hires three people to work in their fields. Again, maybe. Yeah. But one of them shows up at eight. A. I'm, this is a, yeah. this is a paraphrase. One of them shows up at eight and works all day. One of them shows up at ten yeah. and works all day. One of them shows up yeah. at like nine p.m. and yeah. works for twenty minutes. And they all get paid the same. Those are the ones that I'm like. That feels like the highest altitude. He's not telling you yeah. how to live your life. He's telling you that you're loved no matter what. The weird thing for me is I'm, I am fascinated with Jesus. And I've read about him quite a bit, but and then I'm like, you know, Seneca was alive at the same time just saying what he fucking meant, like living in a house. Yeah, like, there what, like, it was also this sort of mystical nonsense for like no reason. Like we asked, Jesus? Yeah. Like, like he didn't have to be so esoteric? Well, just like people read the Bible and they're like, oh, this is, it was so long ago. And it's like, there were like normal people doing normal things at that time. Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, senator was a job then and now, wow. you know, like, yeah. like this wasn't, there's works of literature that aren't Se- esoteric yeah that are very clear yeah and the people had like i mean normal ish names and no they you're never reading like a story about some roman and they're like and he lived to be 432 years old and had right. 19 children and right you know like right it, like there were non-crazy people then like it, it, it's not that's hilarious <laughs> like it wasn't all goofy goof seneca's brother is in the bible wow he's gaio he lets saint paul go whoa crazy yeah Yeah. and so yeah like we the bible is this weird kind of it's like hearing voices and there's all this stuff but on the same note what i just watched uh the last duel yeah and i was like this is like a thousand years after jesus or more yeah it's roughly like 1200 or something around there and i'm like they're still like brushing their teeth with a rat. And I'm like, yeah. the fact that a thousand years well, before no, the that, argu- the somebody argument was like, is that, love your neighbor. The argument is that Rome is the like sort of apotheosis of civilization and Christianity takes us here. And then- Oh, is that what it is? Then, then the Enlightenment and the Renaissance come out here. Oh, so it was here. Yeah. And then we go down here and <laughs> yeah. we're brushing with rats and yeah. fighting Adam Driver in a, in a coliseum. This is like the Pope putting, you know, like a- like a no, cow on we, trial for like you know tempting someone into <laughs> fucking it and stuff like this is like the, this is the ridiculousness of the dark ages <laughs> yeah yes okay like well. like like the things that the romans had like that that then the dark ages were like oh yeah we don't know how to do that anymore <laughs> it's like it's because you burned all their fucking books and stuff one of the craziest control alt deletes of our history <laughs> like you know what yeah let's close let's delete these programs you know what my favorite jesus meme is uh 
he walks into he's like jesus walks into a restaurant and they go like we we want to we want a table for 24 (laughs) and she goes there's only 12 of you and he says we're all gonna sit on the same side that is a table for 24 (laughs) that's very good that's very good mine is it's the earth and then it zooms out to the solar system and as far out as we go and there's a giant jesus and he's saying don't masturbate (laughs) Oh my God. Do you have any new spiritual insights before we go? Uh, what a weird question. I'm just, as I was yeah, yeah. saying that, I was like, my belief, just to load you with something so it's not just a bald question, my belief is the further out you go, you're not really going anywhere, meaning that it's all in here as well. You know what I mean? It's like when people look at sat- like the new satellite photos and they're like, doesn't that make you feel insignificant and i've tried to express this before and and i don't know how well of a job i did but it's like anything out there is also here meaning it's all the same thing if it's all written on if i'm the paper it's all written on deep down consciousness it doesn't matter how far up down left or right we go it's all one phenomenon well it's like looking at some crazy thing from outer space it's not that is incomprehensibly vast and you know all the stuff and it's not really any more incomprehensible than like the back of your hand that's exactly what i'm saying Um, like it's easier to go like whoa yeah imagine how many planets that is it's like how did you hear the thought whoa imagine how many planets that is like that and i say this every time i say this but like why do you have to be stoned for that to be interesting how can you hear your thoughts sure how can you, you put this together and it just becomes normal that my body's here. Because I know if I touch this, I don't feel it, but I touch this and I feel it. But like we see with our kids, like they're in the soup. Like they're, they're seeing this for as amazing as it is. Well, economists talk about this too. Adam Smith is actually, Adam Smith writes Wealth of Nations and then he writes this book called The Theory of Moral Sentiments, which is sort of based on stoicism, a couple other philosophical schools. But like, it's also a miracle that, like, if you go to the store right now and you want milk, this is the example they use. A lot of people don't drink milk anymore. But you're like, how do they Oat know? milk? <laughs> how do they know you want it? And how do they have it there? And how did it get there? It's fucking incomprehensible. Like the, the data that went into that, just all of it. Just like the that you decided right now to want something, and then you can go to a place that you didn't tell you wanted it, and they knew you wanted it and had it there just in time even though it expired like yeah all of the uncoordinated magic mm. and wisdom and human interactions and things that had to go right for that to occur mm. is like very remarkable and that's like such an utterly ordinary thing that's right and oh, then wow. then you're like okay how some immense like the invention of a vaccine or you know like the the, the some massively coordinated human thing that's over, that's even more impressive, but just like passively, just like most of the stuff you want, whatever you want, is there, and that is not a historical. Yeah, it's constant. worthy. It's worth. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's interesting. I what helped me as I was thinking what about what you were saying is that's sort of the magic of the movies is when I tell you a story. How amazing is it that I or someone wrote a story and we both watch it and we're like moved to tears or whatever. Like we both watch Moonlight and we're like, (laughs) you know what I mean? That's also a miracle, but we're like, I went to the movies. It's like, 
No, someone yeah, and you're from complaining that the ticket was however much. Exactly. The popcorn was like a little expensive. Right. Yeah. But what a miracle that that all even of it's happened. a miracle. It's yeah. all. It's all insane. This sort of goes back to what you were saying. It's like to me, motivating yourself with fear or ego or, or desperation or, or rivalry is there's a parallel to being like needing the universe to be like categorically like data based. This is how vast it is. This is how deep it is. This is the rate at which it's expanding. You tell me how fast we're spinning and how fast we're going. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't need that. That to me seems like the sweatier version of going like, or you could just sit in a chair and go like, what the fuck am I? Yeah. It's so close. I'm not saying, by the way, this sounds like I'm anti-space exploration. I'm just saying, I don't have to go that far to be like, in fact, I don't know if it's helpful to go that far. It's all magical. Right. Yeah. And it starts with you. So go 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 to the closest thing. Where like you know each person is, you know, has a totally unique set of DNA that's never existed before ever in human history. Mm. Then you add you layer on top of that the moment that they're born, the experiences that like every yeah. part of you has never existed ever you before. You are the rarest comic book there's ever been. And yet also like I saw this New York Times piece about it. There's probably someone that looks like exactly like you walking the earth also at the same time. Ike Barron. And it's just like insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Because it's funny being an, a, a public person. Someone's going to say figure. Take it easy. Um, but a public person, people will send me, hey, I'm in Sweden. Look yeah. at this guy. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, it's me. Yeah. Fucking crazy. It is weird. Yeah, super precious. I, I love all of these thought experiments, and I, I always enjoy talking with you. Is there anything that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I don't, I don't have an agenda. You have an agenda. <laughs> you have an alt-right agenda. Yes, and I've the known, best kind. I've known this about you for a very <laughs> long time. Um, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, your interview with Robert Greene was so good. Wasn't it great? It Thank you for so making good. Did you like it? It was so good. That means a lot, because... It was in my mind. I was like, I hope Ryan yeah. likes this. I was, I'm touched you even listened to it. Was it was so good. He was awesome. He's the best. Not, I think I told this to yeah. him, not what I was expecting. The guy that's like 48 laws of power and he comes in and you're like, Yoda? You know what I mean? Yeah. You expect like a bro. I thought it'd yeah. have Oakley's on the back of his head. Really? Yeah, a little bit. Just based on the title. Interesting. Then I did any research yeah, sure, and I knew sure. it wasn't going to be that way. But you know. I had that with Father Greg Boyle, the founder of Homeboy Industries, you know, the gang rehabilitation. Brilliant. The whole time I was picturing, like, I think I was picturing... he would be ex-gang? Like he would be ex-gang. Is he? No. Oh. He looks like Santa Claus. Interesting. He's a a Santa Claus figure. That's a great episode, by the way. I would enjoy that. that. And if you have guests on your podcast, he would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Can you think of a... I've probably... This is the third time you've done the show, so I've probably asked you this three times. So feel free to pass... But can you think of a time in your life when you laughed really, 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 really hard? Yeah, I think I told the kid one last time, but I have a different one that I was thinking of. We <laughs> were, uh, we were at this pool, and we'd gotten like food delivered, so we we're sitting outside eating. And um, my son walked up to me, and he goes, "Is this the dead bird you were talking about?" <laughs> and then he was holding a dead bird that he found on the ground. <laughs> And I think about it all the time. We talk about it all the time because none of it makes any sense at all. Where did he get the dead bird? I mean, he didn't kill the dead bird. Like he found yes. a dead bird. He was like, he was like, I found it right here. But it was like, I had 
you were what dead bird was one? I talking about? And then just so what was happening in his head where he goes, ah, this is the did he make it up? You know, it's just magic. I <laughs> am dead. And I it's just it's so the essence of parenting. And now that Leela's almost four, we're just get we have a f- yeah. shared file in yeah. our phone and we just write him down. They'll never be as precious to anyone else as they are to me, but that one, I think anyone can get that one. Is this the dead bird you were talking about? What? And what do you what do you think would happen? Yes. But yes. it's you know, like it's just Well, you see a- them doing what we do, which yeah. is continuing conver they're they're I, I'm not saying your son is I think we all do this. Confusing reality with inner reality. Yes. And dreams and I see Leela do this with TV. I do it with TV. Now that I'm older, I'm seeing a deterioration where I'm like, but aren't you the guy who cooks meth? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. in his Winnebago? Not really, but like little... Have you heard them say like, smash that subscribe button? Like things that they've heard on YouTube? That's the best. Oh, no. Yes. Like just leave a link in the com or like I'll leave a link in the comments below. They'll just say things. Hilarious. Like, yes, it's the best. I, it's also it also makes you feel like a horrible parent because you're like oh, you're watching too much, but it's also hilarious. Well, I, we're staying away from YouTube as long as we can. No judgment. That's not. But because I don't want to leave my daughter with an iPad, and 45 minutes, she's a flat earther. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just like, right. Wake up, sheeple. My daughter just said, "Wake up, sheeple," to me. <laughs> right. I really. I think you're just the juice, man. You're super That's cool, and too. I love talking with you. And it's. I mean, you're in. I'm just trying to give you a compliment and be like, not a lot of people have done the show three times and not a lot of people have done the show three times and every time I've never worried about what we're going to talk about. Like I've enjoyed reading your new book, getting ready, but like, I'm not like, what are we going to say? So you're the best. Well, thank you. Would you give us your third, but first on camera, keep it crispy? Yeah. Keep it crispy. (laughs) Without hesitation. Thank you so much, man. 